Welcome to the 249th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gman from heck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I'm currently discussing 1980s new Teen Titans by Marv Wolfman and George Perez. Might be mixing it up a little bit, um, which I kind of mentioned on last week's episode, uh, secret podcast episode. And sometimes I talk about movies. I haven't done that lately. I got to figure out what I'd want to go back to and talk about. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmail from heck. You can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. That is ko-fi.com slash gmail from heck. This week, it might be a long episode. I, I'm not sure. The main feature, this is a little tricky. There is a movie feature. But the movie feature is not the main feature. The movie feature, n- nothing. I don't think anything major came out last week. I didn't. I didn't go. I went earlier in the week. I saw Men that I went wanted to see a couple weeks ago. It didn't happen. So the A twenty four movie, Alex Garland. Oh my goodness, that movie. I it was it was it was really good. But whew, that was something. The main feature is going to be Stranger Things for part one or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I have to figure out, so you know how I, I discuss shows, especially like the Netflix shows or whatever. I tend to overly go into detail. I I just have no natural ability to summarize things. I feel like, and, and this is where, where I always debate about this. I, I when I, when I discuss the shows, I'm doing it in a way just in case maybe you, you're, you were unable to watch it, or maybe you don't have the time to watch, or maybe you don't really care to watch it but you're curious about what happened you're like yeah i want to know i don't want to sit there for for over seven hours like eight this is this is a long long season so you get to find out what 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 happens and um it's always hard for me because i i feel like i need to include the little things because especially in the earlier parts you never know like something may come back something could be a big deal but part of me also feels like i should just kind of summarize like it's like okay in this episode this happened they rode their bikes and they went over here and that was it next episode uh loving got a bloody nose and yeah well we'll see i don't know um then there's obi-wan season episode episode three. Oh man uh time travel's wife man who fell to earth and superman lois is back plus comics and the news. So let's see what's happening in the news. Uh, Doctor Strange. It's not really. I don't know why I'm starting with this. Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness is coming to Disney Plus already. It feels like I feels like I just watched it. June twenty second is going to be in there. Is that the forty? Is that forty five days? When did that come out? I guess it was. I guess that was because it wasn't it like May six or something like that. Time is flying. It seems like I don't know. Netflix. I don't know why I'm starting with this. There is a, a teaser. I'm not starting. So whatever. There is a teaser for Wednesday. The Tim Burton, um, Jenna Ortega. I, it was weird because it's like I knew I knew Wednesday was going to be a Latin X actor, actress. I don't know why. I. It's like I knew it was Jenna Ortega, but then I, I did I forget it was her? Because I, I, I remember when it was announced. I was like, oh, this is really cool and everything like that. Did I not know who Jenna Ortega was when it was announced? Did I, I don't know. Anyways, 
there was this super, super duper short teaser teaser trailer that came out. Uh, this week is going to be Geeked Week on Netflix somewhere or something like that. So they're probably going to release like a full trailer and and maybe the release date because we, we still have no idea when that's coming out. So we'll have to see. Um, I'm actually, <laughs> I don't know if I should go with this. Yeah, I guess I'll go with this. Gotham Knights, this, the CW show. Oh my goodness. So we, I've been, been talking about this. Basically, you know, what is Gotham Knights? It's going to be a new CW show. Batman is dead. And the kids of Batman's villains are the suspects. And Batman's son, which I forget if it was Damien. I don't know if they actually say it was Damien here. He's like working with the villain's kids to try to f- solve the mur- murder. Okay. Oh, and Carrie Kelly's in it. We we heard that, and other people are gonna be in it. So when I first heard about this, I'm like, I don't know. And then watching the trailer, oh my man! If 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 I didn't have like my personal rule about trying to keep the profanity off the podcast, so it doesn't have to be considered explicit, and limit the audio. This that watching that that trailer makes me like. Oh man! Um, so you know, clarification, full disclosure. I do curse. I I curse like all the time. I just don't. I never do it on air. For for I I want this to be accessible to to everyone. And in case whoever is listening, in case there's a little one running around in the background or in the car or whatever. But man, that Gotham Knights. Oh, jeez, man! What are they doing? What are those? <laughs> I don't I don't understand. Oh, who who is behind this? How can we get shows like like Gotham Knights and then and Doom Patrol and and even even Titans, you know, Titans was a little questionable in the beginning how it was like, oh, let's be uber edgy and all this stuff like that. But I, it's it's a decent show. I I enjoy it. But this, oh my I just I don't understand what how how does this happen how does this get made who <laughs> I I could sit here for like an hour just hooting like an owl like I just, I'm so confused oh my goodness that trailer makes me so mad and not mad in like an angry you know possessive fanboy or whatever it's just I don't understand how this can get made and who thinks it's a good idea? Who's this up? A, a, I just don't know. I mean, you have something like like the Batman. We have the Batman. A lot of people. Okay, in case the very very current audience forgets who's who Batman is, whatever they probably saw the movie. They saw the Batman, and then you go for something like this. Oh goodness. It just looks so bad. I mean, basically what we see is like whether I again, I think it's Damien. He's throwing a party at Wayne Matter because, you know, he's a spoiled rich kid and then oh wait, the police are here. I'll handle this. Hey Harvey, your your father, he's dead. And then there's one point, did you know your dad was Batman? And then the prime suspect are are three kids and and then we see Carrie Kelly. <sighs> I just I I don't don't understand. Well, the other thing I don't understand. I'm moving on. The other thing I don't understand. I'm just jumping around. I I try to group like all the Marvel. It's, that's not going to happen this week. Obi Wan Reva third 
third sister, fifth sister, I always get forget, third sister, I think. I Thank goodness I haven't seen any of this, but apparently, which is unfortunate, which sucks, which is, which is ridiculous, apparently she's been getting some backlash. She's been getting a lot of, like, racist messages. That is just friggin' ridiculous. I mean, that that's more ridiculous than the Gotham Knights trailer. I mean, are people really that racist? Oh, no, here's a person of color in, in Star Wars. I'm angry. It's just like, go away. I mean... Is it just just like white people that that are mad because it's not all white people in Star Wars? It's like okay, there's like aliens and different races, different species, and you're mad because there's a black woman on there who is kicking butt. And I'll admit, as far as her character, I'm not a super fan of her character. I can appreciate what she's trying to do, and and, and for the sake of the show, and I'll, I'll talk about. Other concerns I have to show her, her the color of her skin is the least of my my nitpicks about about the show. But man, I just don't understand. My problem is I I'm not super crazy about her dialogue or her mo. I mean I get the I get the motives. I I, I mean this is this is why there's only two Sith. You know whatever I'll talk about the, about that that later. I just I don't understand why people are just so ignorant when it comes to different races. It's I mean, do they only like, oh, my skin is white. I only want to see white people. <sighs> I, I don't know. And, and you know, Star Wars, they release a message. You know, this is, you know, we resist. But I, I'd be like, I, you have a problem with it. Don't friggin watch the show. Just just go away. Don't you're, you're not a fan. You're not the type of fans we want. Uh, I, I just I don't I don't understand. I, I don't understand. Um, I do some other Star Wars stuff while while I'm there. Uh, so this is some some trickling last minute stuff that I didn't cover last week from Star Wars Celebration. Star Wars Vision um, Visions Volume Two is going to be happening spring 2023, which I realized I never finished the first season of Visions. It's good. Um, you know, I from what I've seen, I, maybe it was like the third one or the fourth one. I wasn't super crazy about it the 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 two the twins the twins episode there's some a lot of potential in that episode but when they're fighting like on top of a star destroyer out in a vacuum of space uh, that that, my suspension of disbelief was kind of stretched a little little too much there but i i do want to watch the the rest of them i would if i ever had any time bad batch season two trailer came out and it, it looks good um, it's I, I like the Bad Batch. I'm, I'm looking forward to that, and I, I believe it's coming the fall of this year. So it's like bravo, you know, get, getting that that working. So so that that's good. Um, going back to CW, I just remembered. Apparently, Justice U. This is I don't know what it's going to be worth. Gotham Knights or Justice U? Justice U. At least it has has a John Diggle in it. Which I question, why are you doing this, John Diggle? There's so many other better things you could they could be doing with his character. So apparently, it's still in development. You know, it's it's not coming anytime soon. Maybe they're just trying to figure. Maybe they're just like, how can we make this not suck? Because basically, he was gonna be training young heroes into being like the next generation of heroes. Let's get the one guy in the Arrowverse without superpowers to train heroes. And the thing is. 
you know, John Diggle, he's come a long way over, over to eight seasons of Arrow. He was just a, wasn't he just a bodyguard for a rich, spoiled rich kid? Yeah, there was, he was deeper than that. He had more training and everything, but I just, I, I don't know about Justice U. I just, it's, it's, it's the same problem I have with like Teen Titans Academy in the comics. I just, I, I don't really care for that. So, I don't know. Uh, speaking of DC, apparently Black Adam trailer is happening June 8th this week. According to uh, The Rock, so stay tuned for that. Uh, yeah. Oh, going back to Star Wars Obi-Wan. Uh, Deborah Chow kind of teased, maybe there will be more surprise characters this season. Which I got some stuff to say about that later. I don't know. Uh, Percy Jackson. I'm I'm not the biggest Percy Jackson fan. I never read the books. The first movie, I, I know I've seen the first movie. first movie was decent, was fine. I don't remember if I've seen the second one. There was a second one, right? I, I feel like I've asked that last time. Uh, they So the Disney Plus show is happening. They've added more people to the, to the cast. Megan Mul- 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 Maloney? Maloney? I forget it. I don't even know how you say her name. From, from Will and Grace. <laughs> She's a, a character in there. I forget who else is in there. But it looks like the show's coming out in 2023. It started filming. That's the whole reason I'm bringing. That's why I'm bringing this up. It started production, whatever. And I, I think I don't remember if this was mentioned before, but Rick Reardon, the author, he's one of the show's writers and executive producers. So if you are a fan, that's good news. Going back to Warner Brothers, see, I'm just like all over the place. There's a rumor that apparently Warner Brothers wants like a Kevin Feige type person overseeing everything. I mean, it makes sense. I, I would say, and, and I know some people won't won't agree. If he wasn't so busy, if I didn't want him like still writing comics or doing other thing, I mean, Jeff Johns is is the best is my ideal choice. I don't think he, I I say he's not racist. I know there's a, a lot of that that he's uh, whatever. I don't think he is. My experience with him, everything I've seen, everything I've heard. But what I mean, you need someone like that. The rumor is apparently uh, the Hollywood Reporter talked about Todd Phillips might be considered. So Todd Phillips did Joker, the Joker, or maybe he's going to be an advisor. Um, the Joker was good, but the, 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 wasn't it that the Todd Phillips isn't like like a hardcore comic book fan? And it's it's not. Do they need to be a hardcore comic book fan? Kinda. I mean, they should know the characters. And because I I think Todd Phillips also wanted to do like other movies, kind of like else like other takes on the characters. So that's almost like yeah. I don't really notice the ins and out of this character. I know I know who Aquaman is. I know who. I'm trying to think of a, a character that's like not overly obvious. I know who Nightwing is. You know what? That could be one, right? No. Um, anyways, you you know you know who the characters are, but you don't know like their you know, 60, 70, 80 year history. And I don't think you need to know like every single thing that happened. You know, you're never gonna. It, it's it's not like you have had to have read every single comic. But I feel like it does help if if you know about the character and if you're familiar. Like, oh, No Man's Land, yeah, I remember that. 
or Night's Fall or Night's End or, you know, there, there should be some familiar, familiarity. Did I say that right? And not just, yeah, I know Batman. His parents were were killed when he was a kid and then he decided to become Batman. It's, it's steeper than that. So we'll see. But yeah, I mean, something needs to be done. <laughs> maybe maybe they should convince Zack, get Zack Snyder to be, oh my God. If Zack Snyder was Kevin Feige at DC, I I would, I'd, I'd say I'd go home, but I already am home. No, no, please no. No offense to the Snyder army. <laughs> I know you're out there, but you're probably not listening. John DiMaggio. So people have been asking him, people have been saying like, hey, congrats, congrats on getting paid. You got money, you know, you held out. You didn't want to do Futurama until you got paid. Apparently he didn't get extra money. He didn't get a raise or anything like that. So I'm not really sure what that means. I think uh, it for him, it was like about the respect. And, you know, I, I think they're like, yeah, we see you, we hear you. We know, you know, we get that this is a problem. But I don't know if that necessarily did anything other than that. And... Maybe it just got to the point where he's just like, all right, fine, I'll, I'll do it, you know. And I'm sure he really wanted to do it. You know, he he. I'm, I'm hoping and I, I'm assuming that he has an affection for, for Bender. You know, this is a role that he's done for so long. And, and, you know, and he probably understands that there is such a, a fan base that just loves him doing Bender. But... I don't know. I mean, I I would hope that they would get paid what they deserve, and what's what's annoying when you get like all these high, you know, these celebrities to do voice over whatever. They're probably, you know, they're they're getting paid all this money because supposedly the name recognition is bringing people to the movie. I I don't know, like. Lightyear, I love Chris Evans. I love Chris Evans. Well, I don't know if I love him. But I, I, I really like Chris Evans. It's not like, oh, Chris Evans is going to be voicing Lightyear. I'm going to go see it. I would have gone seen it, gone to see it anyways. I'm glad it's not Tim Allen, but I don't think you necessarily need, you know, you don't, you do not need Chris Pratt to voice Garfield or Mario to get people to go see the movie. I mean, if anything, Chris Pratt voicing Garfield makes me not want to see the movie. And and plus the fact that I'm not like a huge Garfield fan. But I'd be I'd be curious if I had the time and I whatever, but I don't know. Anyways, uh Furiosa started production as well. According to uh Chris Hemsworth, he posted an image of the the clicker. What's it called? The the action <laughs> the clap clap trap. I don't know what it's called. Uh, Daniela Melk Melchior, who was Rat Catcher Two in The Suicide Squad, is actually going to be in Guardians of the Galaxy Three. So this was there was this rumor that came out before that she was going to be playing Moon Dragon, and James Gunn's like, uh, nope, that's that's not true. But now it turns out, oh, she is in the movie because they've they've wrapped. And then someone's like, oh, it looks like she is Moon Dragon. Because there's like an image of her, like what kind of look with a skull cap. Because obviously she's probably getting prosthetics or some sort of makeup or something like that. And he's like, no, she, I, I meant what I said. She is not Moon Dragon. So he never said before, he didn't say that she wasn't in a movie. He's just like, 
she's not Moon Dragon. Uh, she is not playing Moon Dragon in Guardians of the Galaxy. So we'll have to wait and see who, who she's going to be playing. Then <laughs> there was a trailer for this movie called The Princess. The reason I bring this up, <laughs> July 1st, it does not appear that there are any... I don't know what the feature, and I'm I'm trying to plan out like I know like what the next feature is, the next feature, you know, and so forth. Like what's going to be guiding, anchoring each episode, and it looks like July first. There's no movie for me to see in a the theater. I am not going to see Minions, Gru, or whatever the heck that that next movie is. I just I have absolutely no desire to see it. I don't have anything against the Minions or his is his name Gru. Like G G R U, I don't know what his, his full name is. I saw the first Despicable Me, right? Uh, I don't think I've seen any of the other ones, and I I was fine with with the first one. You know, we enjoyed it. You know, I took my daughter and everything, but then for whatever reason, I don't remember when the second one came out, but we just didn't see it. And you know, whether she just was moved on or whatever, just wasn't interested. We just never got around to seeing it. And, and I know there's, I don't even know if there's been more Minion stuff or if I feel like there's been so much something, like whether it ever, there's been at home movies, you know, whatever, straight to video. I just, I do not want to see that movie. I have no interest to see it. And obviously, that it doesn't really make any sense to talk about it on the podcast. So I don't know if there's anything that week, but there is this movie called The Princess. And I know when you're like, what? What are you talking about, Tony? The princess? It's with Joey Joey King and Dominic Cooper is also in it. It's a Hulu movie. And basically, Joey King is like a princess, but she kicks butt. And um, just, you know, look up the trailer and it looks like it could be, a, you know, a strong female character, but she's kicking a lot of butt. And, and there, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, so it, it could be a fun movie because it it looks like oh it's a period piece Tony loves those but when you put that little that edge to it and kind of modernize it a little bit which you know sometimes may come across as a little absurd I'm down with that so we'll have to see remember there is a show that I talked about that was on HBO Max it was called Raised by Wolves you remember that show. I did not talk about a single episode from season two. And because I did not talk about a single episode from season two or watch a single episode from season two, it got canceled. It's not my fault. Has anyone watched Raised by Wolves? I I liked the show. I didn't love the show. And no, here's, you know, you know, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you the real reason why I didn't cover the second season. Because... HBO Max dropped three, at least three episodes that first week, two or three episodes. I feel like it was three. Maybe it was only two. Maybe it was only two, but they probably did three episodes. And I'm like, I can't sit here for three hours when I'm watching all this other stuff. And then I got to record the three hour podcast. So because all those episodes dropped and then by the second week, it's already on episode four. I didn't watch the first one. Maybe it was episode three because I could be wrong. And and then I felt like I was like, well, I'm I'm too far behind. I guess it's not going to happen. So there, that's why. So HBO Max, that's why it got canceled. That's why you had low ratings because you dropped too many episodes at once. I wasn't able to talk about it and spread the word because <laughs> I have no power. 
Uh, Twisted Metal. Man, I, I don't know what to make out of this. So, apparently, apparently, <laughs> Will Arnett is voicing Sweet Tooth. So, that, that came out, like, mid-last week or something like that. But Will Arnett's not going to be playing Sweet Tooth physically. He's just going to be voicing him. Sweet Tooth is going to be portrayed or played by Samoa Joe. Uh, full disclosure, I don't know. Who, the name sounds familiar. I don't know who Samoa Joe is. We can all assume I didn't have to know without looking anything up. It's what it was. He's a wrestler. <laughs> so, or was a wrestler. So I guess he's going to be playing uh, Sweet Tooth. But that's the thing. It's like, oh, hey, congrats, Samoa Joe. You're going to be playing Sweet Tooth. But no one is ever going to see your face because you're always going to be wearing a clown mask. Unless they're like, in the quiet, intimate times, Sweet Tooth, when he's not out causing mayhem and destruction in his car, he likes to sit in a steam bath with his clown face mask off. And we get to see his face. I don't think, I hope that's not going to, no offense to Mojo, I hope that doesn't happen. But maybe it will. No one ever wears their mask when they're supposed to. Did you, oh, you know, another movie, maybe I should talk about this on a <laughs> secret, I'm not, I can't even finish it. Uh, Door to Explorer and uh, The Lost City of Gold or whatever that was called. I have to admit, a very, 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 very small part of me is curious about that movie to see. What does a live action Door to Explorer movie uh, look like? My daughter wasn't into Door to Explorer. She kind of got a little mad. At, at Door the Explorer, and I don't, I, I, I don't know if it was. I think because she was a little pushy, a little, little bot. She was always yelling, and and my daughter, she, she was more of a quiet kid, you know. She and and I, I think it was just kind of a turnoff. Here's she's always yelling at, hey boots, hey swiper, no swiping, backpack, backpack. So I, I think she just didn't like Door the Explorer. Uh, she didn't see the movie. I'm I'm, pre- I'm almost positive she hasn't seen the movie. I haven't seen the movie. I kind of want to see the movie. Maybe maybe at some point I should <laughs> should I talk about the movie on a secret podcast? Uh, I don't know if that'd be a waste of an episode, or a waste of time, a waste of my time, or if there could be some entertainment and and what what my thought. Anyways, Dora the Explorer, Isabella Mer Mer Mercade Mercad. I don't even know. Sorry. Uh, but congrats to her because she's going to be joining, well, maybe congrats, she's going to be joining uh, Madam Web. There's so many people in this movie. It's a movie about a single person. And so we have, uh, what's her name? Dakota Johnson. Or is that her name? Why does that not sound right? We have Sydney Sweeney. Is that her name? And who else do we have? I feel like there's someone else. I don't know, but... I don't know who, who's so you know what I just uh, duh what I just thought about maybe uh, uh, Isabella is gonna be playing Anya Corazon because they're both Latinx and if we want to cast true to the, the characters that would be I, I I think that would be awesome I love Anya Corazon I think that that comic series when it first started there's something about it I feel like there's like maybe five people reading it and maybe I was one of them. There's, it just had a lot of heart. There's something, and maybe it was because I had a daughter. Everything, oh, here's this this spunky girl, and you know, it's got these superpowers, and it was it was a fun teenage superhero book. 
you know, I think when done properly, those those comics are a lot of fun. You know, here's here's this young person gaining these powers, juggling the secret identity and fighting bad guys and and going to school. So I, I that would be cool if if it's done right. As you may have heard, I think uh, Morbius came back to theaters this past weekend. I think it was like playing in like a thousand screens. <laughs> And it's all because it's a joke. Because Morbius has become a meme. It's Morbin time. <laughs> and apparently, I, I was I was reading something. I don't think I talked about this, but I think there's some Twitch streamers were actually like streaming the movie. You know, instead of streaming a video game, they just were streaming the movie and you know whatever talk. And there's like I think it was like ten thousand people watching it, or it's like some crazy amount. And then, like, when the credits started rolling, and then, like, so it got shut down by, you know, legal, whatever, cease and desist, blah, blah, something like that. So, I was like, you know, on one hand, you're like, I mean, wow, like, all these people just watched this movie for free, basically watching a bootleg, when maybe they could have gone to see it or pay. Or, but I think it's just the word of mouth. I, I don't know. But are, are people really, because it's a meme, are they really going to go and see it? Maybe they're going to say, let's go see how bad this movie really is. I don't know. But what's funny is is those uh, Marvel hate sites. They they refer to I'm assuming they refer to it as the worst Marvel movie. <laughs> but it's not even really a Marvel movie. It doesn't seem fair to call it that. But yeah, did you, I, I for me seeing it once was enough. I don't need to see it at home or ever again. No, thank you. Um, do you remember this movie called Arachnophobia? There is uh, going to be a remake. And Christopher Landon, who did Happy Death Day and Freaky, so I, I really like those two movies. He's going to write and direct it. Sounds good to me. And it's going to be uh, released through Amblin Partners, which I don't really... Is, is that the same as Amblin? I don't know what Amblin Partners are because I'm, I'm a dumb dumb sometimes. And James Wan's Atomic Monster. So they're going to be involved with that. I, um, I'm not a bit super fan of, of Arachnophobia. Arachnophobia is a PG-13 movie. I remember when it came out. I remember when it was in theater. I I might actually have it on V. Where where the heck are my VHS movies? I have a very small number of VHS movies because uh, my my dad would buy he's buy so many movies and I might have arachnophobia. I still have a VCR like not hooked up to anything, but I could hook it up. But arachnophobia was just like a PG thirteen spider horror movie. But the one part just gets me is there's a part in the movie where there's one of those big, long spider leggies crawling across the shower rod, walks across, goes onto the shower head, and uh, I think it was a woman in the shower, shampooing her eyes, washing her, like, oh, I'm washing my hair, and stuff like that. And then the spider goes on the shower head, and then it actually it, it hits some of the water, gets hits lands on top of the lady's head, and she doesn't realize it, and there's a spider crawling on her, and, and just, so, is that one of my fears that I'm going to be taking a shower and there's a big nasty spider? <laughs> maybe. May I mean, and maybe that's my fear. Not maybe that's going to happen. No, thank you. And uh, there was a little bit of a uh, monsters footage from Rob Zombie. It was a weird clip. It it almost looked like it was purposely trying to look cheesy and bad. It was just like this kind of loop gif. I don't know. And the color was like not, it was, there's like some sort of filter and everything. I, that's another movie I'm so curious about. I wish that was coming out July 1st. I would be there and, and totally watching that. And the last bit of news, how is this even news? 
I, and I feel like I've talked about, I've heard about this before, and I don't know if a trailer was released before, but there's a an official trailer, final trailer, even though it was like, I don't even think it was like a minute long. It's a trailer for Amityville in space. <laughs> Do yourself a favor. If, you, if you've never heard of this, if you haven't seen it, go to YouTube, search Amityville in space, watch this trailer. It looks like it was something made out of the 80s or back in the 80s. It's like super low budget, super low effects. This is another one. It's like, how is this happening? I I don't know what's. This almost makes it. Uh, well, this almost makes more sense than Gotham Knights. How the heck the How the heck does Gotham Knights get made? <laughs> watch these two. I would rather watch Amityville in, in space than Gotham Knights. I do not think I can cover it. I don't think I can cover it. I'll, okay, maybe I'll watch the first episode. I don't think I can cover it. No way, man. I can't do it. I can't. I love you guys I, and gals. I thank you for listening. <laughs> maybe if I get like five people, they say, "Oh, you got to cover it." I mean, obviously, I, I don't even know when it's starting. If I have people asking, I'll cover it. But if no one ever says anything on Twitter or Patreon or anything, so don't say anything. No one ever, I never get feedback. Give me some feedback. But don't make me watch Gotham Knights. Uh, and uh, that's going to be the news for the week. And as for comics this week at Image, we had Closet Number One. This is interesting now. It's a three issue series. I'm I'm so fascinated about the idea of a three issue series. I, I feel like, I, I think it's a bold move that, you know, here's your story. It's like, Boom, boom, boom. That's it. Story's done. I think that's cool. I'm so used to the four or six issue series. You know, sometimes you get eight or 12, sometimes 10, very rarely 10. But I think a three issues is a very bold move. And and I, I like that, that that's all it takes. And I forget how many issues this was. Let me let me look that up. I grab my copy. Okay, so it's maybe like like a 30-something page comic. Uh, it's good. But it's, uh, it's interesting. And I really like, so Chris O'Halloran, does the, the art and right is that right and uh it's there, there's something i don't know it, it seems i don't want to say simple but there's just something really interesting about it so you have this dude what well here okay i, I don't want to i always i always hesitate like i don't want to spoil it too much so i always go to the, the synopsis and usually they spoil they say more than i do tom or thom Tom is moving cross country with his family and dragging the past along with them. His son Jamie is seeing monsters in the bedroom closet and will not let them go. So basically, I uh, see. I almost like spoiled the whole whole comic. It's it's obviously it's it's set up, but you have this guy. You know he's getting ready to move and whatever. And as when he gets home because he ran out for for something, and uh, the kids like doesn't want to go to sleep he's scared because he thinks there's a monster in his closet and they're like oh whatever no there's not and uh but obviously there's got to be something there and you know his thing is like oh just you know this is your last night in there and you know you won't ever have to worry about that closet again because we're moving and stuff like that but obviously there's going to be something that's going to happen they're not taking the closet with them but they might be taking whatever is in the closet with them so we'll have to see about that. Deadly Class Trade Paperback Volume 11 came out. You should be reading that. I love that series. Little Monsters. 
uh, issue four. So this is uh, Jeff Lemire and Dustin Wynn. And I have to say, I don't know how long. I almost asked, I was going to ask Dustin. I was like, dude, how long is this? Com- I, it, the comic's kind of stressing me out <laughs> in a way. So Little Monsters, it, it's I highly, highly, highly recommend this series. I, I, I love this gorgeous book. And it's just, just a, it's I, I, something about it. So we have this like a post-apocalyptic world, whatever. And there's these little kids, they're vampires, but they, they kind of don't really know what they are. You know, they, they know that they're the only ones that there's no adults, you know, they were told to wait in this area and they know that they, they can't go out during the day, they, you know, all this stuff like that. But then what has happened is like one of them gets a, a taste for blood, accidentally takes blood from a human and they're like, holy crap. Uh, this is amazing. Why didn't anyone tell us about this? And then, you know, some of the other kids start, and it's just, so it's like, man, what are they doing? Uh, this, this isn't a good thing. And, um, I, so that, that's where I'm getting stressed. I was like, oh, kids, what are you doing? Um, I don't know. So it's, it's just, it's, it's getting bad. It's getting really bad for what they're doing. So, Part of me is like, how long is this going to go on? Because I'm I'm getting stressed out. You want these kids to do the right thing, and even though they're vampires, they're they you know they had some innocence. You know they didn't ask for this necessarily. They can't help it. But then, oh, and then oh, something something that happens is like oh oh my goodness. Yeah, I shouldn't say anything more. <laughs> um, then uh, Rick Grimes two thousand hardcover came out. Uh, how many? I wonder how many pages that is because it's a twenty dollar hardcover. It was a it was it was it was a, a fun story. It was in that um, Skybound whatever I forget what it was called, and um, it's just really weird that it's like Walking Dead, but then it it veers off and gets like very sci fi and superhero-y, and it's definitely worth worth reading for you know Ryan Otley's art if anything. And another book that's kind of stressing me out is What's the Furthest Place from Here? So issue six. There is something about this. So it's, it's written by Matthew Rosenberg and Tyler Boss does the, the art and I think the colors too, maybe. Uh, there's just something about, and I don't know if, it, if it's, so I, I love Matthew Rosenberg's writing. I love, like, I pretty, I think I've loved like everything he's done. But I think, so there, there's that, but I really think that there's something about the art and color that just really makes it appealing to me. And, you know, we, we have all these characters and, and normally, you know, don't ask, do not ask me, please don't ask me. I only know one character, Sid, who's like not even in the book. And I, I don't know really anyone's names because I'm horrible with names. And normally when there's like a ton of characters, it's like, oh man, I can't keep track of all these people. But there's this, there's just been something really good about, about this book. And I wish I had access to the the records because they've they've been like releasing like vinyl records but that would be expensive and i normally read digitally and you know not not often do i read physicals but i i just really this this is worth checking out so this is a end of the first arc so that means it'll probably be collected in trade it's just really good i i would be you know like i just said i don't buy physical anymore but i would be tempted to get the physical trade for this because it's just it's been such a such a delight 
I shouldn't say delightful. So it's such a good book. I, I don't. I, I can't really explain it other than you really should be reading that because it, it's it's it is good. I'll I'll say. At Boom Studios, I didn't read anything current. I did finally read Grimm. So Grimm came out. I think it was like two weeks ago. As as I mentioned, um, so Grimm. Uh, Jessica Harrow is dead, but her journey has only just begun. Discovered a world in afterlife where Jessica has been recruited as a Reaper, tasked with ferrying countless souls to their final destinations. But unlike the rest of the Reaper Reapers, she has no memories of what killed her, what pulled her into this predicament. In order to unravel the mystery of her own demise, she'll have to solve an even bigger one. Where is the actual Grim Reaper? I feel like that wasn't the, the synopsis that I read like two weeks ago. But we see her... You know, it's this dude dies, so she has to guide him along, and he's like, oh, "I don't want to die, or whatever," and stuff like that. But then, you know, there's a kicker, and and because you know, the wonder on her journey, he's like asking all the questions, and she's like, "Dude, just shut up!" It's like, "Don't talk to me," <laughs> and he's like, "Well, just answer one question, and I, I'll stop talking." She's like, "Fine." Then he's like, "How'd you die?" And then she's like, "I actually don't know," or something like that. So uh, it's it's kind of and then there's something there's there's a I don't necessarily would would know if I'd call it a twist but then something some crazy stuff does happen towards the end and uh, so yeah I'm really curious about where this is gonna go at DC there was the nice house on the lake issue nine so this is like James Tynan week uh, although Department of Truth came out last week <laughs> they should have tried coming releasing it this week a nice house on the lake issue nine. Uh, this this has just been, this is like this comic has been like a journey. It's just really interesting seeing it how, and it's one that I I kind of would like to go back if if I had, if I could freeze time and just have time to just whatever read this. But I want kind of want to read it from the beginning and just uh, just go through it all. James Tynan, his stuff is good. Uh, Something's killing the children. Love that 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 comic. You should be reading that too, and you should be reading Nice House on the Lake. If you haven't been, because I, I know I've been talking about it, but it's just interesting, just like the layers of it and like the kind of, I don't necessarily want to call it decep- deception, that what the, the one character Walter is doing uh, on the other characters and just like, I have no idea where this is going to go. And, you know, because like the world has been destroyed, but now these people don't know that. And uh, yeah, so I, yeah, I have no idea what's going to happen. Then there is Shadow War Omega. Uh, it feels like I read this book so long ago. You know, it was obviously, you know, it was over a week ago, but it feels like it feels like it's like two or three weeks. And I don't mean that in a, in a bad way at all, but it's just if whatever. So this is the conclusion of Shadow War, and without spoiling who the main whatever conflicting person was we we do get to hear their reason their perspective and you know on one hand it kind of makes sense why they're so angry about you know what what happened their meth- methodology of trying to solve the problem or redeem whatever the situation yeah obviously that's uh kind of sketchy but Okay, you know, you you got to have some sort of villainous motive, and you know we, we get one, and then there's obviously a big fight and stuff like that. But then at the end, you know, it's it's kind of setting things up for you know dark crisis and whatever. And there there's a there's also some 
Batman and, Ro- and Damien they they get to you know finally talk a little bit as as well. So I it just it really bothers me the fact that when Damien was killed a few years ago, then Bruce goes literally goes to well, I was gonna say goes to hell. He goes to Apocalypse to you know goes whatever to try to save his son. Damien comes back and then it's like they don't even talk. And it's like all right, see you, kid. And the fact that you know Damien's been doing all this stuff, and I I don't I mean I don't know how I feel about that because I don't think they should necessarily be together all the time. Robin having his own comic has been a blast, but it just seems kind of silly that you know I thought the whole point is we're supposed to have this Batman and Robin, and they're just they're so angry they just can't get along, and so it was good that we we got at least a tiny you know little bit of of. Uh, something going on so maybe we'll we'll see more batman and robin coming up then there was justice league road to dark crisis uh, i didn't love this issue and part of it is there's like a hodgepodge of different creative teams doing different stories and it seems like usually lately for me it's like these i wouldn't necessarily call it an anthology book but they just they kind of fall a little flat for me, in, in my opinion. They, it's we get these little short stories, and I don't know. Maybe there's just not enough time to flesh things out, whatever. But it's just, I, I just, I'm not super crazy about it. The first one is good. You know, it's Joshua Williamson writing it, and Dan Jurgen does the pencils. Norm Ratman does the inks. So it's, uh, it's basically Nightwing and um, J- Jonathan uh, Kalel or Jonathan L, jo- son of Kalel, Jonathan can. Kent, I'm crashing and burning already, and and I'm just still at the beginning of the show. Uh, but then somebody, you know, basically a lot of what's going on is with the Justice League having just died in Justice League, which, ugh. and so it's like people are concerned. You know, what do the young heroes think? And blah 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 blah. So that's just what I think. I don't even know what Dark Crisis because, like I mentioned in Shadow War Omega, there was like a, a tie-in to uh you know leading into dark crisis but so far i'm not sold on the idea of dark i don't even know i i haven't i've been trying not to read anything i don't really know what the the main hook of it is but so far i'm not like pleased uh then there was batman 2022 annual and this issue basically it's setting up a Batman Incorporated series. And I'm okay with that. So basically, spoiler, it's it's leading into uh, Ghostmaker? I don't know why that doesn't sound... See, I, I'm losing it already. So Ghostmaker is apparently going to be in charge of it because Batman's too busy and everything like that and he doesn't have the fortune, which is dumb. And so we, we see ghostmaker coming in he's got his attitude but you know he he knows what he's talking about and you know he splits the members into like the a team and the b team and they go out on this one mission and uh yeah so i i enjoyed it. it it was it was it was decent then there was action comics 2022 annual and this was it was okay i don't know what that noise was so philip kennedy johnson and Cy Spur, I've liked some stuff that they've written and some stuff I've been like, eh. But this this was okay. Some parts kind of started creeping a little borderline into 
what I considered a little cheesy. It's a so a tale of two titans, and basically we see Kalel and the whatever mogul Mongol um, current Mongol how they they grew up and became who they are and i i think i think when when i'm able to predict what is going to happen that's where it gets cheesy because i if i can predict it i i'm I'm, it's not like i'm a a literary genius it's like i'm gonna come up with this fascinating idea so if i can see it coming that doesn't that that's kind of kind of bad that i i can put that together you know that like oh this is anyways one of the things we see is like young clark you know powers are just developing whatever and he's dealing with using not using his powers and you know doing the right thing there's this kid on a soccer team who's like a big jerk bully and Clark wants to kind of put him in his place, whatever. Why is this kid such a bully? You can probably figure it out. And you can probably figure out how that segment of the story is going to end. It kind of um, mixes, you know, goes back and forth with the the son of son of Mongol, son of son of son of whatever. And yeah, so it was it was okay. I, I know I'm making it sound like it wasn't good. I, I enjoy seeing, you know, young Clark Kent and, you know, just seeing him like why is Superman such a great character? And so, yeah, they're able to capture the goodness of him. But yeah, that was it. <laughs> and that was also it for DC at Marvel. We had Avengers Forever issue six, which I, I totally didn't realize it was Avengers Forever. I guess I just automatically assumed it was issue of Avengers. So it makes a little more sense. But this issue, I did not love this. We are introduced, introducing the Invincible Vibranium Man. (laughs) Which is basically T'Challa. And we see his world where he um, basically is going up against King Killmonger. And... uh, yeah, I just I didn't care for that story, so sorry. Captain Marvel issue thirty eight. Um, did I miss something? Because uh, b- basically, uh, see, so issue. Wait, what was that? That's an annual issue thirty seven came out March, and issue thirty eight came out just obviously this week, but uh, Captain Marvel is is gone something happened carol's missing and so that means the new sentient binary is kind of filling in her shoes so with with the help of jessica drew they're you know fighting evil forces and stuff like that so eh, it's fine i i don't really know where this is going to go but i i trust kelly thompson completely i mean i i love I love, absolutely love, love, love the fact that this is a Marvel comic that has reached issue 38. Because stuff like that doesn't happen very often. You know, They're constantly getting renumbered, rebooted. And I totally get why they do that. It, it still drives me nuts, even though I know it's like a, a losing battle or whatever. But I, I love the fact that this is still going, that Kelly Thompson has been writing this. I wish some of the other stuff she was writing was still going, because I've loved those. So uh, her Captain Marvel has been been really fun. 
I'm curious to see where this is going to go. Carnage issue three came out, but guess what? I did not read that. I don't know. You know why I'm looking at the synopsis. I, I see. I'm kind of curious. I don't want to know. I don't. I really don't want to know what happened. Ghost Rider issue three. I'm having. I I think I need to quit this comic. I don't know if this is just a mini series or what the deal is, but part of me I'm curious. Like, what the heck is going on with Johnny Blaze? How did he get into situation? How? Why is you know he's? It's almost like he's has some sort of amnesia, and there's like some evil force that he's like kind of going up against, even though he doesn't really realize it. But also, just the fact is like it doesn't feel like. I mean, I, I think part of it it doesn't feel like it's rooted in current continuity, and maybe it doesn't have to be. But I'm just like, where is this going, and what's what's happening, and and I I think maybe that's it for me where. It's like, okay, we're at the third issue now, and I'm not fully clear where this is headed. So I think that might be a problem for me. But maybe other people love it, and I, I, I hope they do. Then we have Knights of X issue two, and uh, this, I was, I, I didn't love this issue. I, I usually, I liked, I, I liked the first issue, and I, I love Betsy Braddock, and you know, I'm curious about these other, you know, because it's it's kind of along the vein of Excalibur. You know, we have like some other, you know, like Kylun, Kylun. But I don't know, something about this just 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 didn't quite click with me that this week. So I don't know. Maybe it was just when I read it, I was maybe I was distracted or something. I I don't know. But you know, having all this stuff where you know the the whole Merlin and and Arthur and, and other world. I'm curious about the all, all the other world stuff, but I also kind of feel like it's just dragging out. It's like, Oh, they're still trapped in other world. Nothing is really happening. So I, I don't know. I, yeah, it's just kind of weird. Then, um, miles Morales issue 38. Guess what happened when I was reading this? I'm just like, eh, I stopped reading it. I, I couldn't even make it through. Then I was like, just kind of like flipping through the pages, just to try to one to see is like, okay, is there? Am I going to be able to see if anything happens? But I just, I just, I what could I wasn't interested. And you know, we we have Miles. You know, he's going through the multiverse. I'm I'm getting a little tired of all the multiverse stuff. I feel like everyone is doing it, and. Yeah, so he's looking for his uncle, and he's going through the multiverse, and and it's just, I don't care. Uh, Yeah, so so I don't know. Star Wars Bounty Hunters issue 23 came out. Um, I was tempted to read this. I haven't been super crazy uh, about this, but this one is uh, dealing with uh, Dengar, and has he been in the last few issues? I know he's, he's been, like, almost all these issues, but... Yeah, I, I didn't read that, so I I don't know. I I don't love Dengar. I'm I'm curious about him, but I've been super crazy about what's been going on. But Darth Vader issue twenty three. Okay, spoilers. So you, you've been warned. So if you, as you can see on the cover, we have uh, Sabe, one one of uh, Padme's handmaidens. So played by Kira Knightley in Phantom Menace. So it's. It was. I thought it was such a cool thing when when her character was brought into the comics. It's like so. Here we have Sabe years later because obviously she survived. Padme 
unfortunately, spoiler, <laughs> didn't didn't survive uh, Revenge of the Sith. So it's really interesting to see Sabi like what what does the Handmaiden do like after and seeing how she's involved with you know trying to do the right thing and saving the galaxy and everything like that. But it's also been interesting like her interaction with Darth Vader. And um, so this is a spoiler part. At one point, she uh, she she mentions Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader. So it's like, does she know something? And that, that's all I'm gonna say. But the thing is, and this is my question: Isn't the fact that Darth Vader and Anakin are the same person? Isn't that like a huge secret that like virtually no one knows? Like no one in the Empire would know this. Everyone assumes that Anakin was killed. Because when you know that though, it just if that's the impression I of I've always had, and that's kind of an impression I get in this comic, to be continued <laughs> later in the episode. But this this issue, I, I I like this the the Crimson Rain stuff. I'm not super crazy about that. I I like the idea of Cora, what what's her name, being here and seeing how it that that gets to play out because. I, I loved, I really enjoyed, I, did I love it? I should watch it again. I really, really liked Solo, and I would have loved to get a sequel or Disney Plus. Man, make a Disney Plus Solo series. Let's see more young Han Solo. I think that would be amazing. So I, I like the fact that her character is here, and you know we, we get to see more or like what's going on. But I'm, I'm, I really like this, this issue because of the, the Sabe stuff. Then there's Strange issue three, so I'm really digging this because it's Jed McKay, and you know he's been doing a really good job. So, spoiler: Doctor Strange is dead, and uh, she is now the Sorcerer Supreme. And I just love the fact that you know I I I know who Clea is, and you know I've I've read you know her a few few times, handful of times, whatever. I'm not super overly familiar with her. You know, I don't know her like, you know, forwards, backwards or anything like that. So it's really interesting to see her here and, you know, just knowing who her uncle is and who her father is. Obviously, that says a lot right there. And I love the fact that she's got this like edge to her because of her heritage or whatever, even though she always seemed kind of kind of like I don't want to say docile or anything like that, but she always seemed like just so innocent when from what i remember maybe i just my memory is just crazy or maybe i just read the wrong issues before with dr strange but i i love the fact that she is just so brash and everything and and you know at one point she's like my husband is dead it's like you have nothing there is nothing that i care for in this world so there's basically you cannot threaten me to take anything away from me so basically you are going to do as i say because you're not going to win so she she basically says that she goes up to someone and just really like puts this person in her place, which was just amazing. So I I really just love this savageness to her, and I'm I just I do not like the fact that Doctor Strange is quote unquote dead. I think that's stupid, obviously, but I I'm really really digging that. Unfortunately, what I'm not digging is X Men ninety two. House of of ninety two is that what is no is that not, what what's XC one one two nine because wasn't it ninety seven yeah maybe that's ninety seven I don't know that's not ninety seven I don't even know 
you know, I thought I would, I was going to dig this. It's like, oh yeah, you know, continuation of the, of the animated series. I just, I, I, <laughs> I think my big problem is the fact that they're like, yeah, we're going to continue series and we're going to bring in Krakoa. I'm like, are you serious? I have like on Krakoa overload in the bajillion X-Men comics that are coming out now. And then, and then you have to add it to the X-Men universe. Maybe it is 92. XC. Nine, oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Because C is 100, so X would be 90, 92. House of 92? That's such a stupid name. Sorry, whoever came up with that. Um, so we got Krakoa stuff. And w- w- as you start reading this, like, oh, here's Jubilee and everything like that. What? Jubilee got killed? And then Jubilee's, and then, and then her second life. Like, wait, what? What are you talking about second life? If you've been reading the X-Men comics and... If you know what's been going on with Moira and like reliving everything, they basically do that with Jubilee, which is like, what? Apparently, Jubilee now has a secondary mutation that allows her to be reincarnated and relive her life, which it's like, why why are you doing this to Jubilee? Why are you taking something that happened to another character and you're putting it on Jubilee? It just feels like you're stealing this idea. I, I don't know. So, yeah. I, I, but for me, the, the big problem is just all the Krakoa stuff. I don't want X-Men and Krakoa everywhere. So I, I thought that this would have been really cool to go back to X-Men 92. But the, the you just throw in the Krakoa stuff. So it's like, it's not that different from the regular X-Men comics. And I don't need more of that. So I'm just, I'm really bummed. And uh, also bummed because that's it for comics. So no, no more comics this week. And now Superman and Lois, season two, episode 12, Lies That Bind. So the show is back. Thank goodness. And see, this is the thing. I I still like The Flash. I, I joke around. I give it a hard time. But I, I still kind of like, I've still invested... But Superman and Lois, this show, this is a CW show. It is so good. And I don't, how do you get stuff like Gotham Knights? I, I don't know. Anyways, so it picks up from last episode. Clark told Lana, you know, that he's Superman. He floats down and she's like, you're Superman? How did I not see this? How did people not put this together? And he's like, well, you know, people see what they want to see. And she's like, how long have you had these powers? And he's like, since we were kids. And then she's like, you know, she's thinking about it. And and she's she's like, you're the reason all the strange stuff happened here. All of it was you, including the accident. So she's like, you saved us. So she's talking about when they were teens in her car and they got in this car accident, whatever. And then he like saved her, you know, everything like that. And she never realized, you know, never understood fully what happened. But she's like, he vanished right after that night. And he's like, I had to figure out, you know, who and you know what i was or whatever so he's like after saving her and pete that night he figured out what he had to do with his life and he couldn't stay in smallville as much as he wanted so she's like why didn't you ever come back for me and he's like i did he's like but you were with with kyle then and we see the flashback when he's about to greet her and he sees her across the street and she's got the you know engagement ring already on her and then she's like well you should have told me and then she's like did you ever love me and he's like lana of course i did and then she's like, just not enough. And he's like, Lana. And she's like, it, it's a, it's fine, whatever. She's like, I got to go. But it's like, dude, it has nothing to do with it. So 
when he finally comes back, he's ready to profess his love to you and what he's supposed to do. Oh, by the way, you're engaged, but yeah. So Lana is, I really like Lana. I like her character. I like you know how she's portrayed here, but sometimes it's like, come on, Lana, it's, you're not being entirely fair or realistic. Jordan uh, says he, he's not telling them the whole story because you know so he's 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 like no way you told Mrs. Cushing that you're Superman and she just drove away and Jordan's like what was she like at the end the, do you think she's gonna tell Sarah he's like did did you even ask and Lois is like leave your father alone and then she's you know yelling at the boys that they gotta get you know ready for school and everything like that and Jonathan's not thrilled about going back to school but you know he's being being allowed to go back after all everything is cleared up. Then uh, they leave. Lois and Clark talk about, uh, you know, what will Allie's next move going to be? You know, she's going to try taking or try talking to the other Jonathan. And Lois tells him that, because you know, he he's obviously he's he's bothered and he's hurt by how Lana's taking this. And Lois is like, you know, it's it's going to take Lana some time to wrap her head around all of this. So Jordan's at school. He's with Nat. He sees Sarah coming down the hall. He's like, "Oh, it's like I wonder if she's, you know, she, he's wondering if she's mad at him or whatever like that." So he he basically gets Nat to say something, and she's like, "Hey," and and you know Sarah's walking with her headphones on, and she's like, "Hi, Natalie," and just keeps walking by, totally ignores Jordan. The fact that he's standing right next to her. They're also by you know Jonathan's at his locker. Football kids come up to Jonathan and he's like, "Oh, have you figured out a way to get the baseball season canceled?" And he's like, he's like, you know, joke all you want. He's like, at least I'd snitch on you. He's like, you know, you should be thanking me. And then he mentions like one guy. He's like, you were huffing whatever way before I even started. And then he's like, well, at least I didn't get football canceled. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's that's a really great comeback. And John's like, he's like, do you think it really matters? You think football matters? Like baseball matters? It's all meaningless. And Jordan's like, like, oh, you know, we should get going, or because Jonathan's like. It's you know it's it's the end of the world as we know it whatever and and then they're just trying like dude you need to stop this you know the people don't need to freak out whatever but then Nat's like you know maybe you know you shouldn't be here he's like follow me and Jordan's like are you gonna skip on your first day back so Lana's sitting in a diner thinking she has a flashback you know she told Clark she's like oh you look just like you did in high school and he's like oh good genes I guess and there's a time when she said that. He looks like he has the weight of the world on his shoulders. And then when Superman told her to, you know, she doesn't have to do the Kryptonian matrix things, whatever. Then Kyle comes up to her. He's like, and calling her, he's like, Earth Alana. So she's just like completely lost in, in thought. And then he's, he's, she's like, oh, I, you know, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. And because she didn't call him back or whatever. So, you know, he's like, well, I, I just want to know if Sarah, you know, did, did she love the car? And then she's saying that you know, they didn't get a chance to go for a spin, whatever. She gets like a text from Lois and she kind of like hides the phone. And then she asks Kyle if he could pick the girls up from school. And he's like, what, what, was everything okay? And she's like, oh yeah, that was a text from my new assistant wondering where I was. It's like, <laughs> make it a little more obvious there. At the DOD holding area, Superman visits the other Jonathan. So he was hoping that they could talk. Jonathan obviously doesn't want to. And, you know, he 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 basically says that how his family wasn't supportive and all this stuff like that. Superman's like, I'm sorry, you deserve better. But, you know, you also made a lot of bad choices, one that, you know, that cost people their lives. So that's on you. And then he's like, you really came, you know, 
all, all this way here just to say that superman's like i came because i think that there's more to you than i've seen you know you're a good kid and i want to give you a chance to make up for what you've done so he's like you know help me save your world and mine you know help me stop Allie. and jonathan's like well you know maybe if my dad ever talked to me like this you know i might be on your side but he didn't he says Allie's gonna fix things superman says that he's like i have her pendant and then after i destroy it john's like you can't destroy it it's like my father already tried and he failed and he's like she's gonna come and she's gonna take what's rightfully hers he's like you saw her she's a god she's gonna merge people and there's absolutely nothing you can do to stop it superman then talks to john henry and he says you know he john henry's like the kid's right the pendant's nearly impossible to destroy sam is like sam lane he says that the amount of concentrated energy would requires more than superman can supply but Sam says there may be another idea, and John Henry shows the possibility of, of destroying the portal. So if they use like a control explosion or whatever, Superman says that that'll make the mines inoperable, and Sam's like, that's a small price to pay. Superman says, well, what about the people over there whose lives are getting destroyed by Allie? Sam mentions the fact that you know they have a prisoner, and Superman says that they have no one over there to protect them, that they're going to need their help. John Henry's like, you can't save everyone and superman's like well that's the promise i made so he mentions their plan uh to try to kill him before you know he uh, sam and, and john henry they, they tried killing superman and they're like well you know in the heat of things it seemed like the only option and superman's like it just shows that there's always another way so lana shows up at the kent farm lois opens the door and lana says i lied to kyle and she like just walks in and she's like, which, for the record, is something I've never done. Lois is like, of course. And then she says something else. And, and Lana's like, don't act like you know what I'm talking about. And Lois is like, I understand why you're mad at Clark. And she's like, I'm not mad. She's like, I was. But then I put myself in his shoes and I realized that I couldn't. The man literally carries the weight of the world on his shoulders. So when he you know, tried to figure out who he was, you know, he was just a kid. So she's like, I don't blame him for not telling me the truth back then. It hurt, but I can't be mad about it. And Lois is like, she's like, are you sure? Because you seem like you're mad. And Lana's like, I'm mad at you. She's like, when you came to Smallville, you know, we didn't have to be friends. We could have just been neighborly. Lois like sought her out and she's like, and I trusted you. Lois is like, I know how you feel. And she's like, no, you don't. After Sarah's quinceanera, when I found out about Kyle cheating on her, she's like, I called you. She's like, you've become the person I call. This whole time, you've been keeping this huge secret from me. That's where it's kind of ridiculous. And Lois is like, it, it wasn't my secret to share. And Lana's like, but you knew, and I didn't. So that means our entire friendship was built on a lie. She's like, there's nothing real between us. Lois is like, please don't say that. That's not true. And then Lois or Lana's like, okay, well, maybe not, but that's how I feel. And she's like, the worst part, you made me a liar too. So this is, I, I have such a problem with this. And I feel like I could just go on and on. This is something like I could talk about on, on the secret podcast. I could just do an episode just talking about this. I I don't understand her, her line of thinking. She's saying that Lois should have said something to her. That is just kind of ridiculous. It's like saying Okay, let's let's say Kyle was an alcoholic and no, and Lois didn't know, or let's say you know Kyle was cheating on or did cheat on her, and Lois didn't know. If they start hanging out, is she supposed to say, "Oh, by the way, my husband did this" or someone did this? It's like it's not 
her business to, to say that. And for Lois to, to say, oh, by the way, my husband is Superman, that just seems kind of crazy. It's like, I, I would never, you, you don't get, <laughs> you get what I'm saying. Anyways. So Nat tells the boys they can't tell anyone, not even their parents. And so they're, they're back at her place. So Jonathan's like, obviously, and Jordan's like, uh, maybe you shouldn't show us. <laughs> so she's like, she says she's not trying to get them in trouble, but she's like, don't you ever feel like your parents don't treat, you know, just they treat you like kids? And they're like, yeah. So she said she decided to do something about it. She opens like a closet and they're like, you built your own kill suit? So she's got like a, a suit of armor in there. She said that she originally built it for herself, but you know, with what happened that she thinks maybe Jonathan should use it because, you know, he's got that other Jonathan there trying to drain him or merge him or whatever. And he's like, this is the best present ever. And Jordan's like, yeah, and we have a PS5. <laughs> so she says that it doesn't work yet. It still needs a power source and she's going to need their help digging it out, which is the stupidest thing. You got to realize that that's not, not a good idea. Superman visits Tal Rowe to Morgan Edge next. He tells him that he's, he, you know, he just spent time with him because he, he crossed over. And he's like, you helped me save my son's life. And now I need your help destroying the pendant. Then Tal Rowe's like, well, okay. He's like, but then what do I get? He's like, all right, well, what do you want? He's like, I want my brother back. He's like, I saved your life and it wasn't enough. So it's not you that I need to convince. Is it? So Clark is nervously waiting in the kitchen. Lois comes in. She's like, guess who Lana hates more than you? And Clark is like, uh, Kyle? And she's like, no, me. So she's And she says, you know, of course, it doesn't make any sense. It's another example of women holding each other to higher standards than they do men. Clark's like, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear about this, but uh, there's someone that would like to talk to you. They go in another room. Tal Rowe is, is standing there holding flowers. She's like, hello, Lois. And she's like, what the hell is he doing here? Clark's like, it's complicated. He's like, if you know, if I'm going to destroy Allie's pendant, I'm going to need his help. Tal Rowe's like, I just want to make amends. He, he, he puts the flowers down. He's still wearing handcuffs. And he says that he wants to explain what he just recently discovered. So his father sent set him on a path when he was a child. It was a painful one. He was convinced that if he fulfilled his father's dream, he'd also fulfill his own. And one day he'd be reunited with his brother. And, and Lois just like rolls her eyes, which is just like hilarious. He said that, you know, he had no idea Kyle already had a family of his own, that he chose Lois over him and he got angry. And Lois is like, wow, so everything is my fault today. He says that he saw her as an obstacle that he needed to overcome. So he's like, I'm sorry. You know, he's like, if I didn't spend so much time doing someone else's bidding, I might have found what you all have. So he's like, you can trust me. He's like, I will never hurt anyone you love again. And then they hear someone coming. Clark's like, it's John Henry and Sam. So Clark's like, we need to get you out of here. And Lois like, no, no, he's not going anywhere. So Sam's not happy that he shared information with this guy with Tal Rowe. They they argue and stuff like that. Clark's like, well, you know, I I'm not asking you guys to trust Tal Rowe. I'm asking you to trust me. And they're just like arguing. And then Lois is like, enough. It's like you're wasting time. The longer it takes for you to figure things out, the more in danger people like Lucy and Lana are. She's like, figure it out. She's like, I have something to take care of myself. And then she like leaves. So we see the stupid kids, they go to the cave to look for XK. 
And they, they find some, so they have to start digging it out. So you know something bad is going to happen. Sarah's waiting outside, and Kyle picks her up. She's like, where's mom? And he's like, that woman is full of secrets. And she's like, yep. And then he's like, is there something going on I should know about? And Sarah's like, I don't know, maybe. And she, she's like, she went for like a six-hour walk yesterday. So Kyle's like, what? They're, the kids are chipping away at the crystals. It's it's taking so long, whatever. Then Jordan's like, oh, let me try. He uses his heat vision to slice a chunk of rock off. But then the heat starts moving up the column, like towards the ceiling. There's like this chain reaction, and it's going to cause a cave-in. So then Jordan grabs him, zips him out before it caves in. And then they're like, oh, wow, that was... And that's like, hey, where's our bag of XK? Because he didn't grab it. It's like, dude, he only had time to save your life, not... The, the crystals superman and talro they should uh, they're, they're they figure they should be able to destroy the pendant together then we see sarah's playing guitar at kyle's apartment because uh, it's like where is the sister that we hardly ever see where's sophie so she had ballet r- r- practice or something like that so she's playing the guitar and then he starts asking about her mom and the walk he's like do you think she was with someone like like a guy and Sarah's like, maybe. She's like, I don't know. And then he's he's like, is your mama dating someone? And she's like, if you want to know, ask her yourself. She's like, I'm trying to deal with my own breakup right now. He's like, oh, I'm right. You know, whatever. You're you're right. I you know I shouldn't have said anything. Whatever. So he's like, I go pick up your sister. So he's gonna go get her from ballet. Goes out in the hallway, and then he calls Tanya, the the lady that he cheated on Lana with. So Lois visits Lana at her office. And Lana's like, oh, I'm really busy. Lois is like, I'm sorry. She's like, sometimes I forget how important those two little words are. She's like, you were right. You know, you wanted, or I, I wanted to be your friend, and I didn't think about whether it was fair to you. So she's like, you have to understand, my life was so different in Metropolis. The boys were little, and I was working around the clock. She's like, I didn't have time for friends. It was easy to keep the secret. And then when they moved there to Smallville, they started hanging out. And she felt a connection. And Lana's like, yeah, I felt it too. So Lois says that she hadn't had a real girlfriend since her and her sister had their falling out. So she convinced herself that it was Clark's secret. And she knows it's going to take some time, but she wants to start earning her trust, like right now. So she says, you know, telling her was just a tip of the iceberg. They're like, Lana, we love you. So whether or not you tell your family is up to you. And then she's like, and let's start with Jordan. Turns out he takes after his dad. So then we see Superman and Talro. They fly into a volcano. Superman tosses a pendant on a stone. They both use their heat vision. And then Allie floats down, eyes glowing. And she's like, I'm taking back what's rightfully mine. It's just like, ugh. Talro decides to deal with her. Uh, she stops him. And then she's doing this like energy suck thing, like draining him. And she just kind of like swats him aside. And Talro's like, what did you do to me? And then John Henry, you know, he because they're they're listening in on, on the comms, so he's going to suit up. And then uh, she's hiding from Superman somehow. And as she comes out, she does the same thing to him. She's like starting to drain his powers. They're they're like out in the sky because you know she took off, so he's like flying her. Then John Henry, he's flying towards him, calls his hammer, and it just like smacks her, like knocks her, you know, away. So she drops a pendant, and Superman flies after it, gets it, goes back to the volcano. John Henry goes to deal with Allie to try to keep her occupied or whatever. Superman and Talro, they start zapping again. And then uh, they're both like yelling, like zapping with heat vision. Then Allie comes in, no! And poof! 
So she lands in a volcano, picks up some pieces. There's like this big stare down, and then she leaves. And then Superman also noticed how Rose gone. So he decided to take off. Clark's sitting in the kitchen with Lois. And he says that you know she siphoned his power to make herself stronger. But So I don't know if it's a permanent thing or if it's just temporary. But now the pennant is destroyed, so they only have to worry about Allie. Sam says, and Tal Ro. Lois is like, well, we don't have to worry about him. You know, He risked his life for us twice. Lana gets home and she finds Sarah making dinner. She's like, oh, whatever, that's so sweet. And she's like, it's just salad and hot dog. So, you know, it's nothing fancy. And she's like, I just want to help. I can tell you, you know, you're busy. And she mentions like, you know, dad, you know, he figures some, something's up. And she's like, are you, you know, he's mentioned, he, he was wondering if you're dating someone, whatever, you know, you guys should talk. Lana kind of laughs. She's like, I'm not dating anyone. And Sarah's like, well, you've been acting kind of weird. And Sarah says that, you know, she's like, you know, you can trust me with it. And Lana's like, I know. She's like, I'm just, I just learned something that's kind of a big deal and I wanted to share it with you. And then Sophie came in. So Lana does, or Sarah does have a sister that we hardly ever see. She's like, Sarah, Sniper Wolf just posted a new video. Come watch with me. And Chloe didn't close caption, Sniper Wolf with three S's. So I'm assuming it's some random YouTube person, whatever. Maybe it's a real person. I don't know. I don't care. So then uh, she's like, okay, I'll be right there. And then so Sophie leaves. And then Sarah's like, they grew up so fast. And then she's like, what were you saying, Mom? Lana's like, she thinks about it. And she's like, there's an internship at my office. And I know you're you've been you know wanting to beef up your college resume, you know, for applications, whatever. And Sarah's like, um, okay, can I think about it? And then there's a knock on the door. Lois and Clark are there. So Clark wants to talk some more in private. Jordan and Jonathan are, are just hanging out. John Henry shows up and he's like, What's happening here? And they just like kind of look at each other and that's like, oh, just some family bonding. And then he's like, Oh, he's like, I hope you had a good day, or whatever. He's like, He's like, and he, he tells them the pendant's been destroyed. And then he asks the boys, he's like, you want to stay for dinner? They're like, sure. He's like, text your folks and you can help. Kyle texts Sarah. He's like, grab a coat, meet me outside. So she goes to tell Lana. That, <laughs> and she doesn't even make think it's weird or anything like that. But Lana's in the garage with Lois and Clark. And she's like, oh, dad, is it okay if I go out with dad? And she's like, yeah, yeah. So Lois, then she leaves. Lois like, did you tell her? And... Lana's like, I was about to, but I can't ask her to lie to her father or her sister. It's like, well, they uh, apparently they also told Lana that she has a doppelganger who may or may not come looking for her. You know, there's nothing to do right now. They just want to keep, you know, give her full transparency. So she's like, okay, thanks. She's like, while it will take time to get over to her, she's like, I will get over it. She's like, I'm not mad at either of you. She's like, but I also can't have you in my life right now. And she's like, I, I don't want to feel like I'm lying every time that we're together. And Lois is like, please. And she's like, this is just the way it has to be right now. So it's like, okay, whatever, dude. That's, that's a little extreme. Kyle takes Sarah to the bar. And then when she's like, wait. She's like, no, no, no. She's like, I'm not here to meet your old hookup. He's like, no, no, she doesn't even work here anymore. He's like, but she did do us a solid. And then he looks, he's like, it's open mic. And he, you know, there's a stage and stuff like that and the guitar. He probably like shoves her up there. She's like, what now? He's because he's like really proud of her. He's like, you know, she should be, you know, doing her music because he looked at her. She's he's like, you have enough here for like a whole album, whatever. And, and she's like, whatever. So he makes her go up on, on stage and she sings and it's it's very sweet and everything like that. And all, all that blah, blah, blah stuff. 
then back on the other earth Allie talks to other lana and she, you know lana's like all oh, worried that they've lost now and she's like we haven't lost it's like even with the pendant there are other ways to do all this just like whatever then other talro on Allie's world the other world the other so other talro he's sitting in a prison and then Allie comes in he's like where's lana he's like i want to talk to her and Allie's like you're, you're never going to talk to her again and he says that you know he's like i saw you know your fear when you were merging yes and then she's like whatever dude she starts taking his powers and then he's like drained and he's like almost skeletal and that's where it ends so maybe it is permanent or maybe it depends on how long she does it whatever but i i i, I don't know i'm sorry i i feel like it's kind of, kind of dumb she gets these powers emerge or whatever but now she can drain other people of their like their essence somehow. Okay, <laughs> just whatever. But other than that, I I do like the episode or I do like the show. Unfortunately, there's only three episodes left in the season. But I I remember I thought it was over like a couple weeks ago or something like that. But we got three more left, so that's good. And now, time traveler's wife episode three. Man, I uh, I I don't know how much of this stuff that we're seeing in the show was in a book now. Cause there's some things that are happening that, and again, it, the, the book it's, it was so long ago when, when I, when I read it and uh, I don't know if they're expanding stuff, which, which is kind of fine. And I like, I know certain things that are going to happen that are probably going to happen, but the little details like in this episode, it's, it almost feels like it's like new for me, which is kind of, kind of, kind of cool, kind of fun because it's not like I, I know everything is going to happen. Cause that's, that's the problem when when something is adapted from a book or whatever. You know, you you know everything that's going to happen, or you're pretty sure, and nothing's really supo- a surprise. I don't know. Some people they enjoy spoilers. I don't understand that. That I guess I kind of like if you're anxious or whatever. But anyways, let's get started. So now we see uh, older older Claire, L- oldest Claire, whatever you want to call her. She's she's talking to the camera. And she's like, you still watch these? I hope not. I hope you have something better to do or someone. But I do seem to keep making them. Why? So she says, like, you know, maybe something to fill her days. Being old is like being young. It's boring. Then we see, like, young, like, six-year-old Claire in the kitchen with the housekeeper. Later, she's, you know, in the living room. Her dad's, like, reading a paper. She's like, when's Christmas? And he's like, not for a while. And then we see, like, older uh Claire, she says that so much of being young is just waiting, and the worst part was knowing. You know, no one should meet their soulmate when they're six years old. So then we see her. This now we're basically seeing her side of the story. So there's there's a lot of repeat, like from the first episode. She takes her plastic horse. She goes out, you know, through the field, goes to the rock, and then Henry H thirty six arrives. He's coughing and, and groaning out in the woods. So we see that scene play out again when he first says hello. She goes to get clothes, and then we see her waiting until September 29th. So this is after he left because she knew, or I guess she knew at this point when he was going to come. And uh, you know, it's it's she's like like waiting and waiting. You know, she's staring at the calendar in the kitchen. She's asking housekeepers, like, can you just like flip the, you know, pull the, it's one of those like pull the, the, the calendars, the sheets off each day. So like, can you just pull it, make it to 29th or whatever? And then uh, she sees her brother playing video game and he has like journals, like blank journals. She asks if she can have one. So it's finally the 29th. She goes to the rock. She's waiting. She's waiting. She starts falling asleep. And then she wakes with a start and Henry 31 is there. 
And he's wondering why she brought a notebook. And she said that he told her to. He's like, where's the food? He's like, time travel makes me hungry. Didn't you know that? And she's like, no. He's like, well, now you do. So she goes and gets some. And then he's eating. And he tells her to dates as he eats. And she says that she's like, you look younger than last time. So then we see another day. It's raining. Claire's eight. Henry's 32. They're playing checkers. She's like, I have a Nintendo. She's like, why do we play board games? And he's like, I can't play games with screens. You know, it makes me time travel. Then we see uh, an older Claire. She talks about all the different Henrys. She's like, the one with the dark hair was funny. The one with the gray hair was like a dad, always making her do her homework. And we see Claire's 10. Henry's 36. She's, you know, she's doing homework, whatever. She's like, do you believe in God? He's like, definitely not. And she's like, why? He's like, I don't like his work. Then uh, older Claire says there's also sad Henry. So then she's 11 and he's 41. So he's, I guess he came from March 27, 2022. He says he doesn't know which date he sees her as next. And she's like, why not? So he uses like a deck of cards as an analogy. He holds up a card and he's like, what card is this? She's like the seven of diamonds. Shuffles the deck and he's like, okay, what's the next card? She's like, I don't know. And he's like, it's not going to be the eight of diamonds. And she's like, probably not and he's like that's what his life is like you know all the the cards are all the moments in his life are there but they don't go in order so then we see claire is 12 henry's 35 she's making a snowman and she's like you know you can come to the house and he's like well i can't because i haven't she's like no one's home but he's like i haven't met your family yet she's like oh you meet my family and she's like when he's like um 2008 then she asks if it's funny for him that She's called Claire and his wife's called Claire and he's just like, um, yeah, whatever. You know, he's just like avoiding it. So then we see Claire's 13, Henry's 41. She's sleeping and she hears him yell her name. And then I think the closed caption said oldest Henry, which that, that could mean something there. She runs out of, out in the woods. She almost gets shot. Her dad and brother are out hunting and she's like, who did you shoot? And, and he, they're like, what are you talking about? We didn't shoot anything. She's like, who called my name? And they have like the big like um, earphones or on, on, you know, like the muffle the shots or whatever. And her dad's like, it was just, you were just dreaming. And she runs off. She's calling out Henry. And she sees like a big splotch of blood on the snow. And her dad comes up. She's like, you shot someone. There's blood. And then they look and the blood's gone. So then later she tells a different Henry about it. And, you know, he's like, whatever. She's like, you're not even a little bit worried. So she's 13 and he's 32. And she's like, it could have been an older you out there dying. And he's like, well, everyone's out there dying somewhere in time. And she's like, don't you work? Doesn't your wife worry about you? And he's like, of course she does. And Claire's like, well, does she worry like I do? And then he's like, uh, kind of like, like you do. So Claire's like, she's out there in the future where, you know, my family. And he's like, Yeah. And she said, she's like, I have a stupid idea sometimes about who you're married to. And she's, you know, she's not, not looking up, but her playing checkers, whatever. She's like, I think you're married to me. And he doesn't say anything. So older Claire is talking about, she's like, you know, what does a man say to his wife who he's already married, who is asking at the age of 13, what she is to him. And then he finally says, he's like, we're not married in the future. He's like, that's not how this works out. So um, he's like, I know you, I know your family, but us, we're not married. And she doesn't look him in the eye. She's like, okay. And he starts saying some more. She's like, I said, okay. And she, you know, she moves a, a, a I think maybe it was a chess piece. I forget. And a, a tear falls on the board. So older Claire's like a decent man lies, of course. 
So Claire put his clothes back in the box, and then we see Henry pull out the box. It's empty. And so he's 32 at this point. Here's something in the woods, and Claire's 16. So, and she's kind of like, ooh, la, la. You know, she's kind of, you can tell there's, there's, the hormones are definitely going. Cause he's like, where are my clothes? And she's like, well, they're not in the box. So he, like, you know, he covered himself with the lid of the box and he's like slowly backing away as she's like moving closer. And she's like, the clothes were my dad. So I had to return them eventually. And she says that she brought him some new ones and they're scattered about the place. So he has to find them. He's like, well, I'm naked. And she's like, well, I've seen you naked lots of times. He's like, yeah, but this time is different. And she's like, how? He says that, well, you're older now and there are rules. Basically, you're not allowed to see someone naked the moment you start enjoying it. So she suggests checkers in. She's like, every time you win or every time you win a piece, you'll get an item of closing. So she tells him to sit. And next next scene, he's fully closed and he won. She's like, you've never won that quickly before. He's like, I was going easy on you. He's like, another game? And she's like, I have a better idea. She crawls over to rock towards him. He's like, uh, he's like, I have a better idea. So then we see them. They're at, like at a park bench, and he comes up with some ice cream. She's like, I don't want ice cream. He's like, well, I want you to cool down. And she's like, I'm going to need napkins. I'm not good at eating. And he's like, I know. And he pulls out a napkin. Then there's some teens like on the road, like getting in the, in the back of a car or whatever. And he's like, are they friends of yours? And she's like, I know them. So then Naked Henry lands with a thud. He goes to the box. There's a sandwich on top of the clothes with a note, like written on the, the wrapper. It says, sorry, at a party, XX. So she's still 16. She gets to this party. People are drinking and smoking. And it's some dudes who are like, oh, hey, miss, look, but don't touch. And he's like, nice dress. And she's like, it's not for your benefit. So she's like going up the stairs, whatever. Henry, meanwhile, he's takes a bite of a sandwich and he just like tosses it. So he's just sitting there alone. Claire's one of her friend pulls her into his room. She's like, oh, check this out. And they go to like the, the balcony and to admire the guy's abs, everyone who's swimming at the party, whatever. And they mentioned the old guy they saw her having ice cream with at the park, whatever. And they're like, who's that? Whatever. Henry's still waiting by the rock. He stares at the note again. And then her friend's like, is that guy married? He seemed old. And she's like, I'm not seeing him. And then she starts to leave. And they're like, where are you going? She's like, you don't have to go home. And she's like, no, I'm just going to go dip my toes in the, in the pool. So as she gets down there, she starts admiring some dude. Her friends tell her that if she's pining over some old Mary guy, you know, she knows it's never going to happen. So Henry starts falling asleep by the rock. And then Claire shouts his name. She comes running and she trips. And, you know, her, her dress is a little like a skew or whatever like that. So she falls and then he like he leaps up to her to see like what's going on but then he disappears so it must have like the excitement or whatever i don't know so then it's daylight henry lands naked on the rock claire comes up as he gets the box so she's still 16 now he's 32 so something's clearly on her mind and she's like we're going for a drive today and he's like what and she's like i passed my test so they, they walk to the house of the car. He's like, aren't you worried that someone's going to see them? She's like, no one's home. I'm not stupid. And then he's like, are you okay? But she doesn't say anything. So she's driving and she's like, starts driving like really fast. So she asks, you know, where is he? You know, there, there must be a younger version of him out there. And she's like zipping around other cars, she goes through a red light. And she almost goes into oncoming traffic. And she's, he's like, you're not allowed to meet him yet. And she's like, says who? He's like, says history. So she drives, so now they're like on a, a two lane, like highway, whatever. So she drives over to the other side, like through the, over to 
like the grass median or whatever. And she's so she's driving into like on, oncoming uh, traffic. She says, she's like, well, I'm not allowed to die. She's like, you know, you've met older me. And then she like releases the steering wheel. He's like reaching over for it, whatever. And he like yanks him over back into the regular lane. And he's like, what the hell is the matter with you? And she's like, what's well, about time you freaking asked? So they're on the side of the road. They get out of, you know, out of the car or by like a river or something like that. And she's like, you're bleeding because his palms are bleeding because his fists were clenched or whatever. And she's like, you're just a nervous passenger. He's like, well, I mentioned I was in a car accident before. So she says that, but he knew that there wouldn't be an accident today. So, and he's like, you could have ended up in traction for, for, for an entire year. You could have killed someone. You could have wiped out an entire family. And then you'd have to live, you know, you have to spend the rest of your life with that. And she's like, don't lecture me. And he's like, shut up and listen. He says that her life is entirely built from the choices she makes. The future fixed or not is what she chooses. She is what makes it fixed. She is, she's not running on tracks. Everything is still her decision. Then he quietly says, I just set a new record. I just mansplained your entire life. So she brings up, she's like, when, it, when am I going to find out things about like when you know my family and is married to a woman with my name? He says, he's like, we're not married in the future. And her lip kind of quivers. And she's like, fine. And she turns away and she's like, you know, she's like sits on a rock or something like that. She's like fighting the tears. So he walks up to her. He's like, if something happened and you want to talk about it, she's, she's asked him, she's like, have you ever been arrested? And he's like, I show up naked places and I steal to eat. So yeah. And she's like, but it doesn't matter because if they put you in a cell, you'll eventually disappear. Right. He's like, we're usually in the back of a police car. She's like, you can get away with anything when you go back in time. Henry's like, "Uh, I guess, but that's not really the point. She tells him that there's this boy named Jason at her school, a jock. And he's like, okay, what about Jason? She's like, I need you to kill him. And he kind of nervously chuckles and he's like, "Uh, why? So then at the library, the new kid gets a phone call. So we see Henry, age 24. So he just started working there. 32 had called him and 24 is like, whoa, what? You need me to pick you up or something like that? Because I'm at work. So 32 says, I need you to not be alone tonight. I So I need you to have an alibi between 8 and 10. And 24 jokingly is like, why? Are you going to kill someone? 32 just like, between 8 and 10. Got that? And he's like, you are going to kill someone. And then he's like, I'm hanging up now. And then he's like, fudge you. Fudge you too. <laughs> or they don't say fudge. So 32 gets back in the car. He asks uh, Claire, you know, when is she going to tell him what Jason did? And she's like, I don't want to talk about it. He's like, can't you just accept that he totally deserves this? And Henry's like, yeah. So obviously Jason attacked her or something. So they drive and he's like, you're not coming. You know, you need an alibi too. She's like, well, I want to watch. So she's like, look in the golf compartment. So her, her dad's guns there. And he, and he looks at it, He's like, what the heck did he do to you? She's like, he's an a-hole. And Henry's like, well, I used to be an a-hole myself so they reach jason's house there's no cars in driveway she's like yeah he's home alone i checked so henry goes up knocks on the door jason enter and answers the door he's just wearing a robe and henry says there's a car behind me and you're gonna get in a trunk and jason's like why he pulls out the gun because if i murder you right here it might be really hard to get away with it and i might get in trouble jason's just like standing there and he's like uh hello he's like waving the gun he's like did you hear me and then Jason starts peeing himself and it's like splashing on the, on the floor. Henry's like, you're splashing on me. He's like, what kind of person pees on someone at gunpoint? 
So then he puts him in a trunk and he like tells him like watch his head, you know, because what he's like, well, you're gonna kill me. He's like, yeah, but I don't want to make this you know, hard or whatever. Claire, they're driving and then Claire kind of hears something and it's Jason wheezing and she's like, did you bring his in his inhaler? And he, he's like, what? She's like, he's asthmatic. He's got an inhaler. I saw him use it before. Henry's like, so. She pulls over and she starts like turning around. She's like, we have to go back and get his inhaler. Henry's like, no. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, no, we can't do this. He's like, I'm not going back there. But then we see him run into the house, get the inhaler. So they, they reach some like secluded place. And Henry's like, or she says that Henry's just going to hurt him, not kill him. But she's going to watch. He starts laughing and she's like, what, you think this is funny? He's like, you want to know what he did to me? And he's like, yeah. So she gets out of the car. She walks in for like front of the headlights. She starts like unbuttoning her shirt. She has like massive bruises on her arms and her sides and her back. And then Henry gets out and like, whispers like, are you okay? Then he's like, did he rape you? And she's like, no. Did he rape you? She's like, no, he just hurt me. He, um, and he took me in his car. He's like, there, you know, there's a place people go. He got angry. He said it wasn't fair to him. You know, me changing my mind. And he's like, I never said I would. And she's like sobbing. And it turns out he burned her. And she has like a couple, like like two, uh, she's like, he had a cigarette. So there's like two burn marks, like on top of her breast. And he's like, or he says that she's going to leave this to him and go home. But she's like, you're not going to kill him. And he says, she's not going to be part of, she's like, you don't, you dare make this about how angry you are. It's not about that. And she says that, you know, they're going to hurt him, not kill him. And then she's like, he didn't rape me. But then we see old is Claire. She's like, of course he raped me. Of course he did. She's like, I was in his car. There was no one to see. Why wouldn't he rape me? <sighs> That's just horrific. Henry goes into a store, buys like several rolls of duct tape. And then he sees like a, like a permanent marker, like in the back, like hanging, um, like or not hanging, but you know, whatever. Um, so then old is Claire's like, I never told Henry the truth. If I had told him, told him the truth, it would make it even more true. And I didn't want it to be. So they go to like out, out in the woods. There's like this fence, this like, you know, no trespass place. They go there. And then old is Claire's like, I never told Henry the truth. So when I was with him, it stopped being true. She's like, I can make it not true when he was there. And she's like, of course, he's been dead such a long time now. So, uh, that means Henry's going to die at some point. Henry um, tapes Jason to a tree with all the duct tape. Claire's like holding a gun on him. And Jason's like, "Like, what are you going to do to me? And Henry's like, I'm not sure. He's like, ask Claire if she has any ideas. And he like punches Jason in the face. Jason's like sobbing. Are you going to kill me? And Henry's like, you're an asthmatic who smokes. Who needs to kill you? So Henry asks Claire. He's like, should I break his eardrum? His nose? She's like, oh, it looks like his nose is already broke. She's like, should I cut his Achilles tendon? He won't be playing football for a long time. He's like, please, no. And Henry's like, like don't don't beg. He's like, I might enjoy it. And Jason's like, who are you? And he's like, I'm a friend of Claire's. Here to ask you, man to man, or man to whatever I'm looking at, how could you do that to her? Jason's like, do what? Henry's like, I know what you did. And then Jason looks at Claire, and he's like, tell him the truth. And Henry's like, she did. She showed me. Jason's like, did she show you her phone? And Henry grabs his face. It's not about a flipping phone. He sobs. He's like, but look at her phone. He's like, read her text. He's like, you know, read them before you lay a finger on me. It's like, she texts me after the same night. She's like, thanks for a great night. Then Henry gives him another hit off of his inhaler. And she's like, I deleted the text. And he's like, but I didn't. And she goes up to Henry. 
she says she's like i did send him she's like i was frightened she says that you know she didn't want him to be angry with her she wanted to be normal in her head jason keeps talking and henry's like it doesn't matter what she texted she's like i saw the burns and the bruises and jason's like don't you get it she likes that he's like she likes that she likes it rough and henry's like no she doesn't she never has jason's like how the fudge would you know and he's like because i'm her flipping husband and Claire's like, you know, she's for a second, you know, delayed reaction and her eyes kind of go wide when registered what, what he said. And Henry realizes as well as like what he just said, turns around, he looks at Claire and then <coughs> he starts coughing and he's like, I'm about to leave. And she's like, it's like, I don't want you to leave. He kicks Jason hard. I he might've kicked him in the crotch or something like that. Hands her to marker. He's like, I don't know why, but I think you're going to need this. And he's like, I love you. Poof. He's gone. And Jason like saw this and he just sees like, he like looks down to where Henry was. So Henry lands on his living room floor naked. Oldest Claire says that, you know, she didn't want Jason to die of an asthma attack while tied up and naked. She's like, well, I did in fact, but not on my watch. So she's like, equally, I didn't want to be alone with him. So she's like, I called my friends. I called every girl I knew and asked him to come over. Henry's walking around his place goes you know he walks into claire's art studio then he sees the same marker like on this little pedestal so henry's 32 claire's 24 she comes in she's like oh where'd you go and he's like i always wondered why you kept this old pen and she's like you gave it to me and he's like what did you do with it so old as claire is saying she only had one rule you could come if a boy hurt you while she waited for them to arrive, she wrote the whole story of what happened with Jason that night on Jason. So she just wrote like on his face and everything. She invited them to add any stories of their own, and they were there a long time. So she's like, he became her first sculpture. She learned that night that art isn't always you know something that you just hang on a wall. You know, sometimes it's revenge. So she's like, I only saw Henry one more time in their clearing after that, but that's another story. So, and we see like Henry's wearing a suit where Claire comes in with like a, a basket and a blanket, whatever. So he's 41, she's 18. So I guess we have to wait to see what that's about. Then two years after that, she'd know the love of her life and the, who she's known for 14 years. You know, she meets him for the first time. He was younger than she'd ever seen him. He didn't have a clue who she was. And he was quite the most beautiful man she'd ever met. Here he was at last, her soulmate since she was six years old. And he was an a-hole. And that's where it ends. So it's kind of interesting because even though we've seen parts of this, like, you know, the end part and the beginning part, that this is like all told from Claire's perspective. So this is like her part. Because the other ones, you know, it's mainly been about Henry traveling different times. So now we see her as she's experiencing Henry coming into her life over the years as she grows up. So... It, it, I, I like that, you know, it was, was kind of interesting and everything, you know, we're like now halfway through the show. So we've kind of gone through the whole, like pretty much all of the 152 visits. And, you know, we know there's still one more. Something must happen when she's 18. We'll have to wait and see. But, uh, and we also were getting some, some uh, hints as to some dark things that might be happening. So keep us uh, in suspense. So it, it's, it's a good show. Then the man who fell to earth, it's back. It took a week off for some reason, which uh, you would think that they would take this past weekend off because of Memorial Day that, you know, people, sometimes they travel and they're not home to watch or whatever. So I'm not really sure. Maybe because it was, I don't know if it's halfway through through the season. So um, episode five, Moonage Daydream. 
so it starts off we see anthea the we see like the it's faraday's and his family they go like this underground part uh so it's interesting that you know there's slightly different takes updated versions of you know what we saw in the movie with david bowie they're darker skinned because uh, in the, in the movie we see you know these light-skinned aliens because david bowie is light-skinned so it doesn't i guess it doesn't necessarily mean that all antheans are light-skinned you know you could have different raced antheans just like we have different skinned humans so but but what's interesting is obviously they, they updated it because in the original movie it looks a little cheesy so there's a little more more features and uh faraday looks more like faraday than thomas newton looked like you know david bowie in, in, in a movie so whatever it's just you know they're, they're changing things up updating it a little bit faraday gets in the ship and you know they're like signing or something like that and he's like he says he'll return then it cuts to london uh, present day Faraday tells Justin, you know, because she's like packing up stuff so like that to, to go get her family. He's like, Your family is irrelevant. She's like, Excuse me? And he's like, We are going to origin now. We are behind schedule. Your father can transport the pupa here. She's like, I'll be back in three days. Faraday's like, I have, you know, to build a machine, I have to convert Newton's design, a design requiring translation from Anthean to human mathematics, from Anthean to human component parts, parts that would routinely be assembled by Anthean drones. Humans are not as efficient. They ask questions. They have needs, none of which I am interested in. And she's, he's like, you do not have permission to go. And she sternly is like, don't ever say that to me again. And she's like, and back off my family. He's like, your your relationships are dead weight. So they're just like going on about this. So Hatch and Faraday, then they arrive at Origin. Uh, Faraday's introduced his team before he even entered a building. And, you know, they're like this one dude in particular is like very excited, you know, because he's this genius guy, but he's just like very cold with him. He's like, I want to be shown Newton's designs now. Um, this one lady's like, uh, they've been digitized and uploaded to the server. He's like, I need to see the originals. And she's like, uh, all of Newton's original effects are stored in a research space that we no longer use. And she kind of like weighs over to it. And he's like, let's go. And he starts walking. So Faraday enters this like old warehouse factory station place, whatever. And then they do some stuff. There's like this big sort of like a revolving door thing. That's like in the, in the, the floor and it's like elevated up. And there's like these uh, Newton's designs or whatever are hanging in these like big sheets of paper, like in glass cases. So you can kind of like flip through them around there and like pull them out or whatever. And then he, he thinks back to what Newton says that they stole his company and they're going to steal it back. Then we see Clay and Lisa, they're setting up in a place where they can like watch over because they're going to cut into their video feeds and like watch everything that's that's going on. Faraday's like writing. The eager assistant dude tries asking some questions and, you know, he's saying how they're each given different tasks to build things and they don't really know what they're supposed to be doing because they don't know what the big picture is. So they can't like work with each other and talk to each other. And he asks about like the, drilling some hole in the ground. And you know that there's bedrock, and he's and there's going to be there any dynamite. He's like, of course, you think I don't know we need dynamite? So it's like that doesn't sound like that's a good idea. Then in Los Alamos, uh, Justin arrives home to f find a place. It's like nearly packed, and you know she talks because her dad's like whatever. You know he says he he's they pack they move so many times that you know he knows how to do it. She talks to Molly, and you can tell she's not super excited about about leaving whatever. And then she's like, is this for the larva? And, you know, Faraday. Then she's like, is he your boyfriend? She's like, no. So Justin tries, like, smoothing things over. How it's going to be exciting. And, you know, there's me in your school. And, you know, like, lots of kids. And so then uh, she, and she says, 
goodbye and thanks to her friend, you know, her neighbor, what she worked with and, you know, for everything she's done for her. Then uh, at the, the factory place, this woman assistant, she's like, the bathroom's locked. And Faraday's like, the log says you already went at 957. And she's like, what? And she's like, what do you what, what do you mean logs? And he's like, does this have something to do with your menses? And, and she's like, did, what did you just say? So I was like, menses. So I guess her menstruation <laughs> cycle. Hatch arrives and, and then he's like, he hears like what's going on, what he says. And he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, and there's like two ladies are like listening and, you know, getting like a little put off by the way Faraday's talking to him. And he's like, you know, why don't you take the next couple of days off? He's clearly trying to avoid a lawsuit or, you know, something like that. He's, they start talking about different things they're going to do. Faraday's like, well, I was already, you know, planning on splitting it up into five groups with 11 minute sleep shifts. And there's like a bunch of like cots like set out like down below. And he's, Patch is like, you want them to sleep here or whatever? He's like, yeah, it would help or it would combat psychosis, I guess, if they had these 11 minute sleep cycles or I don't know. So Clay is watching all of this. He's kind of like snickering. He tries to, Catch uh, tries explaining that the workers are people. They need to be able to go home. Faraday's like, home is illusory. And that the the main guy comes up to him, tells him that the this one, some device thing is ready. So there's this like giant sphere built, humongous sphere with like lights, metal sphere. And when, when the lights turn on, it cuts out Clay's camera. So there's like some sort of interference. Clay thinks that, you know, he blocked them out, but Lisa's like, well, it could be a coincidence or maybe it's a Faraday cage. And Clay's just like, you know, fix it. So then we see the workers going home. Faraday's just kind of like staring at everything. And he's like, this is nonsensical. He's like, none of the diagrammatic pieces fit together. It's like building a puzzle without knowing the final image. He's like, I don't know what the design is supposed to look like. So the design calls for tritium or something like that as a power source. And Newton had it in ample supply in 1986. He's, he's talking to Hatch, by the way. He's like, but it only carries a half-life of 12.7 years. So he's like, his entire species dies in 2.4. Hatches will follow in 2030. So this is the apex. This is the last step. So either he's incapable of understanding or he's not ready to understand or it's nonsense. And for it to be nonsense, Newton would have to be insane. And one thing that's like mentioned in the book is he he pretty much did go insane after the, the government blinded him and like took away everything and all this stuff like that. So um, then we see Faraday like in, in the past or whatever, he's like preparing to launch from Anthea. So they Clay calls Finch, that the lady from the, at the CIA, whatever. They talk about keeping the circle small, people who know about this. And she's like, yeah, but that video isn't small. In a video of him out in the street, she's like, you know, people are asking who he is and there's all these views and stuff like that. Faraday's testing the, the tritium fallout levels in some water. He's talking to this lady scientist out there, and he's he's kind of being like like mean to her. They kind of do like a who's who's on first pick because her name is Watts. He's like she's like my name is what or Watts, and he's like I don't know what your what your name or you know. Anyways, so he comments on her age. She's like, has your knowledge you know started leaving your mind already or something like that? And she's like, why aren't you in a place where the elder you know are, are put? So he's just being rude to her. And it turns out she worked in Kentucky with Thomas Newton. So that immediately gets Faraday's attention. And, you know, Faraday's, he says he's not sure why Newton brought him here because, you know, he can't read his design. So then at the new place, Molly's, you know, she's looking around everything and she's like, it looks like we live in a coffee commercial. So she's still not totally keen on their, their, you know, new living arrangements. 
Justin shows up at the factory place and she looks at everything going on. It's all this, it's kind of chaotic. You know, all these people walking around, there's just stuff everywhere. This dude's like carrying some stuff and he like trips on a cable and drops what he's carrying. And she says like, stop. She's like, look and see if there's any cables by your feet. Slowly get up. And she's like, I'm Justin Falls. I'm your project manager. Whatever you've been told, you're about to be untold. Because she's looking at it's like, these are not working conditions. So then we see Josiah and Molly walking down the street. I guess they went to like a Lego store and talking about new Lego designs or something like that. And she says that, you know, she liked her old house better, their old neighborhood. And she also mentions like his his black hair. She's like, did you dye your old gray hair? And then something happens, you know, they're about to cross a, a street. I don't know if there's, there's some bells chiming. I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but he kind of like freezes and, you know, just as they like step off the, the curb and she's like pulling him, she's like, come on. And then this, you hear like a car is like quickly, it's like engines revving, like it's approaching. So then thankfully Josiah snaps out of it, pulls her back on the sidewalk, you know, car kind of skids. So other one smashes into it. And he starts like going off yelling at them. He's like, why don't you learn how to drive? And he's like, you know, this should be safe for like children and old folks to be, be able to walk, whatever else like that. And he's like, yes, I am shaking my fist at you. And Molly's just kind of like, look at him. So I can't tell if she's a little scared or, I mean, there was just an accident right there. So I don't know. Back at the factory, Justin's like, why is this guy sleeping? You know, why are there concerts? And then she says to the other, he's like, why are the tables so high? And he's like, he took away the chairs, you know, so they wouldn't sit. Faraday comes in and she's like, you're being crazy to people. He just keeps like walking past her. And, and she like goes after him and he's like, Newton's designs don't work. And she's like, well, you'll get it to work. That's why you're here. She sees uh, some writing. She's like, "Does that say tritium or tritium, whatever?" And she, you know, mentions it's unstable and rare. And he's like, "So we have an unstable design and no fuel source." He's like, "There must be something I missed." She tells him that he's going to fry a circuit in his brain, and that's just going to make things worse. So basically, like, you know, calm down, dude. And you know, she's like, "And you need a shower." She's like, "You're stinky." And he like he kind of like sniffs himself, and he, his eyes go wide, like he didn't realize that he he's stunk. You think he'd know with his you know sensitive senses. Hatch uh, talks this, you know, this lady he knows like on a video call. So she, I think she's she said she's a reporter for the Washington Post or something like that. So she's trying to get like any juicy info she can about you know everything going on. She's in- interviewing him basically. And uh, as he's talking or she's talking, like the the, the feed kind of glitches a bit. And then she says something like about him, like having a, she's like, and you, you, it's like, you have some nerve, like recording our conversation. And then he like, he realizes something's up. He's like, I'll call you back. And he like, you know, hangs up the call, goes into like Edie's office. He's like, he yells at her. He's, and he's like, really, you're bugging my office. And she's just like looking out the window. She doesn't say anything. She just kind of like looks over her shoulder and Clay is sitting there like drinking tea or something like that. And Hatch is like, you're bugging my office. And, you know, he starts going on. He's like, you knew, or Hatch is like, I knew, you know, you weren't DOE, you're CIA. And Clay's like, he's just there to let his sister know who she's working with and what Faraday really is. So he's like, I knew you weren't going to tell her. And then he's like, you have to have known that, you know, what your dad owed us was going to be due eventually. So he says that what he doesn't understand is why Hatch doesn't care that it's not human. So Thomas Newton was not benevolent. He didn't come here 45 years ago bearing gifts. He came here with a genocidal agenda. And Hatch is like, BS. And you know he's like, what's genocidal about musical spheres or self-developing film? Clay says that you know he has no 
that Hatch has no idea the poop that he's seen. You know, he has evidence and now he has an accomplice. So when he sticks his head out and says, hello, they're going to take him back into custody. Hatch is like, what's going to happen to Faraday? And Clay's like, I don't know, but whatever he builds is not going to make it out to the world. Hatch is like, then why let us build it? He's And he says that that's how it is. And basically, they're going to be logging all their keystrokes and exits or whatever in and out of the building. They're not going to say anything to Miss Falls. They don't even know if she's team human. Hatch says, asks him, he's like, are you? So Clay tells Hatch that he needs to understand who he's working for, him. And Edie, was, she was just like completely silent through all this. She like doesn't say a word. So dinner at Justin's with her family. Faraday questions, you know, she's building, you know, playing with her Lego. And, you know, he's like, why is the pupa not following the instructions on her, you know, new new Legos, whatever? Um, she is going to fail. And, and Justin's like, hey. And Molly's like, you can't fail at playing. She's like, it's fun anyways. And he's like, she, like, she has the instructions right in front of her. Instructions are designed to be followed precisely. You cannot simply impose your own vision. You cannot decide for yourself. It's chaotic, irresponsible, and f- foolish. And then Molly's like, shut up, larva. And she like sweeps the pieces off the table and she runs out. Justin yells. She's like, don't talk to my girl like that. And she's like, I don't care where you're from. She's like, I get, I get out. So she like basically tells him to leave. He has like a flashback to the takeoff, whatever, as, at the same time. So he walks out. And there's like this dude sitting in the car. He was obviously listening in the house. And then Josiah is like, what was that? And she's like, I think he just had a tantrum. So he makes it back to origin. Watts is still at that place where, you know, by the water that he was testing. And he says that he thought origin employees value their sleep schedule. And she's like, you know, she says something. But then she's like, I've seen that look on your face before. So she's like, she has like some bourbon. She's like, you want some? He's like, no, whatever. He talks about like how it's not a good idea for him or whatever. But she wants to take him out. She calls him a drone. She says that, you know, she's worked with Thomas Newton and he told her what he was. So she knows what Faraday is. And she calls him like a spaceman. And Faraday's like, he told you? And she's like, oh, don't worry, you're safe. She's like, I never told. Plus, you know, no one would believe me. So she says that, you know, he, he can't do what he needs to do and be a drone at the same time. So Justin is kind of laying with Molly as you know Molly's sleeping. Josiah comes in. She's like, every time I go to leave, she wakes up. So then they're just sitting there talking, and he's like, he says something about how it's her first day back at the lab. So of course, you know, she was gonna feel Danny's presence there, and she's like, you know, I I, I thought I would too, but I didn't feel him. She's like, there, you know, even though there's an alien yelling at everyone, and the lab was a complete poop show. She's like, I loved every second of it. Jos- Josiah mentions that. He brought her papers from after the accident. You know, there's like a box or whatever. And he says that something like with tritium being rare, you know, she'll think of something. So then, you know, she's got like a bunch of like files laid out. And she's like reading through like her work and everything. So we see Watson Faraday. They're at this like bar. It's not too, too, it's not like a real shady bar. It's, It's pretty bright. And there's not like a lot of people there. But she's talking about like unleashing your inner human, you know, without letting it kill you, whatever. And they're like all this stuff like that. And then uh, they go back to the lab and, you know, they're walking through the streets and, you know, all this stuff. She's just like, she's clearly drunk and, and stuff. She says that, um, you know, she looks at, at the sphere. She says she'd almost be impressed if she didn't know he used an extraterrestrial Ikea manual. And he's like, how did you? And then the doors burst open and this like, green g- gas black blast in then retreats. And, but it didn't really happen. So it's like almost like someone was like attacking the place. And she's like, oh, are you seeing things? And he's like, no. So she goes on some more. 
So, you know, he's been writing on like these sheets of glass and stuff like that. So she kind of like turns one around and he's like, he's yelling at her to stop. And, you know, she says that, you know, he's in a human body now. So he has to think differently. She goes over to the sphere and like pulls this cable out and like a bowl breaks. And she goes for another and he grabs her and, you know, he's yelling, keep your clumsy hands yourself. And he like kind of throws her on the ground, like pretty rough. And she like laughs and she's like, oh, anger. She's like another emotion. And Faraday's like, why didn't, you know, Newton tell me about this and like the way humans behave? And she's like, he did day one. And then somehow she repeats the exact same thing that Newton says. Like humans, you have to let the virus in again. So she's like, you know, what else is making him angry? He's like the mission. She mentions, you know, leaving his family behind and she keeps kind of like slapping him and stuff like that. And, you know, says that he's, he, you know, he's failing down here while his kids are dying. You know, maybe they're already dead. Maybe he left them to wither and die so he can, you know, fly across the galaxy. And he, like, slams her into another machine. And she, like, laughs. She grabs some cables, like, to pull herself off. And then she's like, oh. And, you know, she just takes advantage. You know, she yanks one. This causes, like, the interference to cut out. And Lisa's, like, you know, she's still sitting in a room. And she sees a signal comes on. So she, like, starts looking at the screen, like, what's going on? Watts is uh, doing some more, you know, damage. And he's like yelling at her. Then he like, he's like, she's on the ground. He's like almost punches her. Then he, he looks at her standing. And then he's like, even though he's about to punch her on the ground, but then she's standing up and he's like, you are not real. And she's like, only if you are. And she's like, you know, how real are you? So then we see like flashback to the whole night. He was alone talking to himself, like drinking, walking down, you know, the alley and all this stuff like that. And she's like, you know, what did you see? There's mentioned like at 30,000 feet before when Thomas was falling or something like that. So she's like, what did you see when he was taking off? And the designs are not aligned. So then they, they, they suddenly are making sense. Lisa's like watching this. Faraday's like staring at them all together. And when he was like leaving, there's like these two things around the planet, like this, like there's like all this debris and stuff out in space. And I think it's, I must have something to do with the moon because of the name of the episode. So he, he says that, you know, he sees, you know, what, what needs to be done or something like that. So then later, later Clay sees that the screens are on. He's like, ask Lisa how she fixed it. And she's like, I didn't. She's like, Faraday broke the cage and he was talking to himself. And then she's like, he solved the design. He's like, he knows how to build it. And she thinks that he, he also, he, she thinks he's losing his mind. So Faraday shows up at Justin and um, she sees the blood. And she's like, what happened to you? And he's like, I figured it out. So then she's like wiping the blood off his face and like that. And she's like, who did this to you? And he's like, I was banging my head against a wall. And she's like, is, is that a joke? <laughs> you know, did you just make a joke? He's like, I know what it's supposed to look like now. And she's like, well, the fuel is still a problem. And she shows him like what she figured last night when she was looking at her stuff. She's like, the, the reason he was sent to find her is like after the accident, she was researching an alternative, more suitable fuel source. So she wrote this equation to use a hydrogen boron in place of tritium, but they'd have to find a way to simplify the equation. And she's never done it before because no computer can handle it. So basically the one thing that she could never solve is pretty much her only hope. He looks at it and he's like, you imagined all this from nothing? And she's like, yeah. And he like looks at her. He's like, you are extraordinary. Then he looks around. He's like, where is your daughter? So Molly's in her room with her Lego. And she built like this kind of big 
Lego circle thing that it can spin if you attach it to like some whatever device thing. So it's almost like a giant Ferris wheel type of whatever. So Farrah is like, oh, this is impressive. And she's like, yeah, I like it. And he asked if she knew what she was going to build before she started. And she's like, not really. She's like, I started and I just kind of figured it out. And then she's like, what happened to your face? And he's like, I fell. So he talks about like where he's from. Once you reach your first maturation cycle, it's decided if you're a drone or an adept. If you're a drone, emotions don't come into play. And, you know, there's an answer for everything. It's very binary. He's like, Molly, you know, she's the opposite of binary. She has the potential for all things. And he's like, I'm sorry, people. And she kind of like smiles and then she holds out like a Lego piece and then he attaches it to like the circle thing and then she starts it up again. Justin Josiah is like looking in from the doorway watching them. And then Josiah's like, she's not like other children. He's like, it's going to be hard on you. But Justin's just smiling, admiring her kid, her kids practically now. And that's where the episode ends. So uh, he's, he's figured out the design. We'll see where it's going to go from here. Because again, what is, what's clay? You know, he's like, whatever he designed, this, whatever he makes is not going to make it to the world. But we've already seen in the first episode when he's holding this big, you know, TED talk thing. So not sure what's going to happen. All right, and now Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan Kenobi, episode three, chapter three, part three, whatever it's called. Um, so I I do like the show. I love Ewan McGregor. I like a lot of things about the show, how it's working, how, how they're just playing things out and fleshing things out. I also have some, some major problems with it. Maybe I'll just talk about it like as it comes up or at the end. So it starts off... Ben sitting on the transport. He's still thinking about Anakin being alive. He's replaying Reva's words. He hears a flashback, uh, flashbacks from Qui Gon and Yoda and Anakin, and and then we see Anakin getting taken out of the back to tank, armor being put on, breathing, and you're he's coming, Master or whatever. So, the, okay. So problem number one that I that I have, the fact that Reva knows that Anakin is Darth Vader. As an Inquisitor, okay, maybe she would be privy to that information. I just, I don't think she would. I feel like she's just a lowly Inquisitor. Maybe the Grand Inquisitor would know, but I feel like she's just a power-hungry Inquisitor. I mean, they're just bickering with each other. She's breaking rules and regulation, doing whatever she wants so she can earn the favor of Darth Vader. Who, Who even told her? I mean, I guess when Anakin was saved... And, and transformed or whatever that maybe there's some other people might find out but didn't wasn't it all droids I don't remember if there's any humans there I just really have a problem with her knowing because I feel like this is like this deeply guarded secret plus the fact that it kind of doesn't matter Anakin Skywalker is dead he became Darth Vader he's no longer Anakin and then she just tells Obi-Wan like oh by the way Anakin's alive and 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 yeah, that that obviously is, is messing with him. I just I don't know. Then we see Vader exits his meditation chamber. Um, he's on Mustafar in his castle, which is really cool because I don't have we ever seen his castle in live action before? You know, he's he's had it maybe concept drawings. He's definitely had it in the comics and everything like that. So I think I I feel like I might have taken it for granted because I watched the episode twice. And uh, I feel like when I just watch it, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's a Mustafar. There's this guy. And then I was like, wait, did they ever show it? I don't think we've ever seen that before. So that should be cool. But I, like I said, I took it for granted. 
then he's talking to Reva on on the on the holo where where is he? So and he, he, she says something about the Grand Inquisitor. He doesn't care about that. He's like Obi Wan is all that matters now. And and he's like, I've been watching you. I know what you think. Prove yourself, and the position of Grand Inquisitor is yours. And she doesn't like say anything. But he continues, fail me, and you will not live to regret it. That's my Darth Vader impression, really bad. So then we see Leia ask Ben. She's like, Are we almost there? And he's like, I'm not in control of the trade route. Or she's like, Well, can't you use the force on it? He's like, It doesn't work that way. She's like, What does the force feel like? And he's like, Have you ever been afraid of the dark? He's like, What's it feel like when you turn on the light? She's like, It feels safe. And he's like, Yes, it feels like that. And then he's like, Here. So he fixed Lola, her little robot. She's like, Ah, oh, you fixed Lola. <laughs> so they they start deciding to land on this planet. They had to sneak off. There's stormtroopers on a planet, of course. So they're walking down this like dirt path or whatever. So he tells Leia that they're on Ma- Mapuzo. It's a mining system. So they have the coordinates for its meeting point, unless their new friend wasn't telling the truth. She's like, "Why would he lie?" And Ben like kind of snaps at her. He's like, "Not all people are good, Leia." Then Ben comments as they're walking. He's like, "It wasn't always like this here. You know, there were fields and families, and then the Empire came and ravaged it all." And Leia said, "She's like, I thought the Empire is supposed to be helping them." And he's like, well, some are, like your dad, they're, they're trying to, but it seems like a losing battle these days. And then as they're walking and he like stops and he sees a cloaked figure in a the distance. Then Anakin's there, but he's he's just kind of dreaming. So she's like, Ben? No one was there. Third sister arrives at an Empire outpost. She goes into his conference room where fifth brother and this other lady or the other alien, whatever. I don't think she, I don't know if she's an Inquisitor. I don't know what she is. So she's like, they're on a mining system. And Fifth Brother's like, you don't know that. It's a large, you know, whatever. place. He could be anywhere. And Reva's like, I traced a manifest. It's like, they should, we should send out all remaining probes now. And Fifth Brother, he's he's like, you're not in charge here. And he uses the force, like, almost like pin her to the table. And he's like, that seat is mine, not yours. I am next in line. And then he like, lets her go. She's like, I just spoke with Lord Vader and fifth brother's like, you spoke to him yourself. And she's like, he asked me to lead the hunt. So unless you feel I should follow your orders instead, send out the probes, do it now. And fifth brother, he's, and he's like, I will get what I deserve. Third sister. And so will you. And she's like, I hope that I do. I don't understand what she feels she is owed. And maybe there's more to her story that we don't know. And maybe that would make us like her. Are we supposed to like her? She's evil. I just, I don't care about what. And here, this is the thing. This is why the the Sith, only two can there be. Because they're so friggin' power hungry that she killed the Grand Inquisitor. Because she didn't agree with him. Because she's so obsessed with trying to please Vader. So you you can't trust them. Probes are launched, but it's also like they only launched three of them out. It's like maybe that's all they have. I don't know. I'm at Mapuzo. Ben's talking to is going over their cover story. So he's, and he basically says, it's like, you can't talk because he doesn't want her talking. They reach the coordinates. There's no one there. And she's like, well, maybe he's still coming. And then he snaps. She's like, no one is coming, Leia. Then she's like, well, if we're on our own, we're going to need some help. And just transfers like driving up the road because they're like kind of like out in the field. So she starts waving her arms. He's like, what are you doing? And then, then it's like starts slowing down. He's like, remember, don't talk. 
So you go up to the road and she immediately, she's like, hi, I'm Luma. This is my friend, my father. This is my father, Orden. We're farmers from Tall. Because that's the part of the cover story. And the alien, the alien's actually voiced by Zach Braff. Doesn't sound like him. Sounds like someone else. But he's like, hey there, I'm Freck. He's like, what are you doing out here? She's like, we were going for a walk and we got lost in the field. And he's like, that sounds like a strange story. And Ben's like, we just need directions to the nearest port. He's like, well, I'm heading that direction. Hop in. And Ben's like, no. He's, so he insists. They go in the back and Ben sees like an empire symbol on there or so whatever. And Freck kind of makes some conversation with them. And then some stormtroopers slag them down. So he's like, oh, is your transport late again? He's like, of course. So four stormtroopers get in the back with Ben and Leia. And one says that, you know, they're being moved around, that they're looking for this Jedi. And then they ask him, like, why are they doing out there? And Leia's like, he brought me to where he met my mother and she's gone. And they're like, have you seen the Jedi? And they say, they don't say anything. Leia's like, are you sure he's even on this planet? And Ben's like, they know what they're doing, Leia. Oops. He said Leia instead of Luma. They notice that. So uh, bravo to the Stormtrooper for actually paying attention. If someone said who their name, I wouldn't like register with their because I'm horrible with names. But then they're like, I thought her, you call her Leia. You, I thought her name was Luma. And Ben's like, you know, he like pauses. He's like, that was her mother's name. I, I get confused. He's like, sometimes when I look at Luma, I see, see her mother's face. We all miss her very much. So they're like, okay, whatever. And then so they get to their stop. Leia kind of stares at, at Ben and he's like, what? And she's like, you knew my mother, didn't you? And he's like, it was just a story. She's like, this whole time that I've known you, you've been hiding something. You've been lying to me. And then there's a pause. Are you my real father? And he's like, I wish that I could say I was, but no, I'm not. And she's like, sometimes I try to imagine what he was like. He's like, I know the feeling. He's like, as Jedi, we're taking from our families when we're very young. He's like, I still have glimpses. And he's like, he says he remembers like a shawl or a hand. And he's like, I remember a baby. He's like, I think I had a brother. So he's like, but then I joined the Jedi and I got a new family like you. The transport slows down. There's a stormtrooper inspection place. There's like this laser fence, like three laser grids going across. So Freck gets off or whatever. And he's like, oh, this is just routine, he says to him. Then he whispers to a, a trooper, he's like, there's a couple of strays you might want to check out. So Ben puts on his hood, which, again, as I mentioned last week, no one dresses in cloaks and robes and hoods. They ask them to step down. So then um, they finally do. They, one in, says into his comm, initiate protocol 23. So whatever. Probe droid flies over. Ben like gets in front of Leia like to, to guard her or whatever. Then they order him to raise his head. So he's like goes for his blaster. Then he lifts his head up. He shoots the droid, but it already ID'd him. Because it like it went red. He starts shooting the stormtroopers. One's like up top, like this tower thing. It like gets hit, gets chopped in half when it hits to hit because it falls like on both sides of the fence. Then one trooper grabs Leia, like, put it down, whatever, like that. He's like, okay, okay. So he acts like he's putting his blaster down, but then he shoots the, the stormtrooper, which kind of kind of bold because ben doesn't seem to be like the most perfect shot ever he's good but not always that good so they, they pass through but then there's another transport comes up more stern troopers come over they tell yell at him to get down on the ground and then this uh, there's a, a imperial officer this lady like i forget what the, what the ranks are what her name is so she's in it like one of the gray suits she's not a moth i don't think but then um 
she gets out behind him and then she shoots the stormtroopers. So she was there to meet them, I guess. So the Inquisitors now know that Obi-Wan is on Mapuzo and the signal came before he destroyed the probe droid. And he's like, fifth, and he destroyed the probe. <laughs> he's like, he's upset. So Reeve is like, I'll inform Lord, Lord Vader. Fifth brother's like, he's already been informed and he was most appreciative. So she's like, she says something like whatever, you know, they're, they're just bickering back and forth. So, but I mean, it was, it was kind of crap move on his part because this is all her. And he's like trying to take some, some credit. So every port's going to be shut down. And, and so no one, no one in or out. Ben told, uh, is told that the pilot who's supposed to take them isn't scheduled to leave for a couple orders. So this lady, she's, her name's Tala. She's going to try to see if she can bump that up. So Leia tells Ben, she's, you know, they're, they're like kind of in this alley waiting. She's like, I didn't mean to run off. She's like, I used to do it all the time. It was just for fun. So she's obviously feeling guilty about everything going on. And he's like, it wasn't your fault. She's like, I miss home. So then Tala comes back. She's going to take him to a safe house. And she's like, we have them throughout the galaxy. And she's like, you're not the first Jedi to come through here. So it all leads to Jabim, I think she said. From there, they give them new identities to um, help them get out. Ben sees some writing in a wall. He's like, Quinlan was here? So Quinlan Voss, he was a Jedi. He was in the comics. And he was also, I forget how many episodes. He was also in Clone Wars. So it was cool that I, I always associate him with the comics first. But it's it's cool that they mention his name at least. So he's like, Quinlan's here. She's like, yes, he helps from time to time smuggling younglings out. Leia's like, um, she's like, what does this say? So Ben reads it. Only when the eyes are closed can you truly see. And Leia's like, see what? And Ben's like, the way. So I guess this is the way. Maybe. Stormtroopers knock on the, the door in the main room. There's, there's this loader droid that... Um, can't talk whatever because they're not programmed to talk whatever so he eventually opens the door and the stormtroopers like one's mad because he he won't talk and the other one's like they're not programmed to talk or whatever so they they said they have to search premises blah 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 tala gets word that they've been compromised so she gets on a comm she tells the pilot get the ship ready leia asked tala if, if it's scary having to pretend and she's like yeah sometimes but it's worth it if you can help people then she takes him through this like secret passageway. Ben starts um all of a sudden starts like breathing heavy and his like breath trembles. And then he goes to like a window, he looks outside. There's some stormtroopers out there. People are kind of you hear like some shrieking and stuff like that. Vader's there along with the Inquisitors. So he tells Leia to go with Tali. He's like, I'll be right back. And then he tells Tali, he's like, you know, I'll lead them away. So basically he's like, take Leia to safety. Vader's walking down the street. He's just like messing with people as he walks by. He's like just like choking them with the force, dragging them, knocking them over, just doing stuff like that. And then he sharply turns his head. So it's like, does he sense Ben? Not really clear. Reva wants to go to his side, but the third brother's like, like, stand down. He's like, he said not to engage. So Ben is walking like away from town. And then somehow, just like Jason Voorhees, I guess. Vader's in front, you know, red lights, lightsaber ignites. How the heck did he get there in front? So Ben kind of runs off to the side and then Vader turns off his lightsaber. You cannot run, Obi-Wan. And then he turns his lightsaber on and then v Vader walks up and Obi-Wan's like, what have you become? I am what you made me. And then Ben leaves again. It's like, okay. It's like, already play, play, I don't know what, what game they're playing, like Marco Polo or something. Raven decides to go into the storage area 
when the lifter droid comes out, it's like of all the building, all the structures go into, she goes into the one right one. It's like maybe she sent something in the force, the dark side of the force or whatever, or maybe she's just incredibly lucky. So it's like, oh my goodness. So Ben keeps moving and Vader comes at his side. It's, it's like, is he running after him? Because Ben is kind of hustling away. Vader doesn't run. Vader is like Jason Voorhees. He just walks. He walks. He do, 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 do. But then somehow he ends up behind and in, in front. It's like, how, how is that even happening? They start dueling. The years have made you weak. So this is my, my main problem. It's only been 10 years. It's like, is he really that weak? I mean, I guess 10 years on Tatooine is hot. He's not really doing much. He's just working in a meat factory, you know, slicing up stuff. And well, I guess uh, more on this later. So Leia tells Tala to, to go because I guess, you know, she knows something's up. And she tells Leia to keep running. The pilot will be there. Then Leia hugs her. She's like, bring him back. You know, go save Ben. More dueling. Vader's like, you should have killed me when you had the chance. Ben um, hits this hose. There's like some structure thing there. There's a steam shoots out. So it kind of covers his escape. Reva sees the Jedi and a rebel. There's like a rebel alliance symbol, I think. I think it was on the wall. So, of course, she happens to see this. She happens to find a secret tunnel. Vader comes up again. Vader like uses force, lifts Ben up. He's like choking him. Ben drops his lightsaber. And then somehow Vader touches his blade to the ground and the dirt ignites. So there must have been some spilt fuel there. I don't understand how this happens or, you know, whatever. And then he's like telling him how he will suffer. Your pain has just begun. Stormtroopers arrive behind him. Tala is like on this rock above. And then, uh, Vader kind of like dragging Ben through the fire. So his like arm and shoulder kind of gets charred a little bit. Tala shoots a trooper and then this like power transformer and it sets off you know, the, the flames like go back, but then more flames come up and then the lifter droid arrives, carries Ben away and Vader's just like watching through the flames. It's like, okay, um, if Vader saw this droid, he could just use a force and crush it. Vader could just use the force to like swipe the fire away, right? If Ray can can use the force and keep a ship from taking off, which eventually blows up or whatever, I think Vader could do a little more, whatever. So then Ben's a safety. So Tala tells Ben he's going to be okay, whatever. And then Leia reaches the end of the tunnel. A voice tells her, "Is like, oh, don't be afraid. Come closer." And Leia's like. Are you the one I'm supposed to meet? And Reva's like, unfortunately, they couldn't make it, but I'll take you from here. So then we see the real pilot's dead. And Leia, like, sees her, turns and runs. That's the end of the episode. So it's it's just funny that we're seeing so much Leia. I thought we were going to see more Luke. And we, we get, like, like, four seconds of Luke, and that's it. All right, so my, my main problem, my problem, people knowing Anakin is Darth Vader. Maybe it's just Inquisitors. No, I don't know. Other problem, I feel I'm really torn. While it's awesome, it's cool to see Vader and Obi-Wan fighting, I feel like it takes a, a little bit away from A New Hope. Because when we see A New Hope, my impression has always been that they have not seen each other in 20 years. So now they're fighting this final duel and everything like that. So if it's, in fact... 
from this moment on, maybe Vader and Ben never have another run-in after this. But from here to New Hope, it's only another 10 years. So that's really not that much time. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I figure if, you know, okay, how much is 10 years? What's happened in 10 years? You know, I think I was, I did Comic Vine for 10 years, which, you know, that seems like it was a long time, but it's not really that long. I mean, compared to 20 years, it's a totally different thing. So I think that's my, my big problem. The fact that it's like half of the, the time apart. I don't know. Maybe it's not that big of a deal, but it just seems like because also the idea that Ben spent 20 years on Tatooine watching over Luke being bored out of his mind that seemed like it was this huge thing but here he's out having all these adventures you know maybe not by choice but he's he's leaving you know he's he's not stuck on this desert planet the whole time how's he going to did he, did he lose have to quit his job who's watching his Eopi? did he set it free <sighs> i mean i like the show but I don't know. And the stuff with Leia, I'm, I'm a little torn. You know, I'm, I'm not super crazy about the little kids and, you know, sassy kids and stuff like that. Yes, she's supposed to be a sassy kid because that's who Leia grows up to. Uh, the only good thing about this, I, I do think it's important that we, or it's not really important, but it's, it's good to see that Leia actually knows who Ben is. So in A New Hope, when he saves her, helps her, Obviously, he's not just some stranger that she's maybe has just heard, you know, her father mention his name. So she'll, even though she was 10, she's going to have some memory of him, of this, all this stuff happening. That's a good thing. But I don't know. So we'll see what happens. I mean, we got three more episodes left, but I'm a little torn because if it was just Ben on tattooing, that would be boring. But I just, I feel like it's kind of wrong. I don't know. Okay, then uh, the sort of movie feature, but not the main feature of the episode, is uh, Men. So this is from A24. It's uh, written and directed by Alex Garland. So Alex Garland, uh, he's he's did uh, Annihilation, um, 28 Days Later, uh, he did some, some other stuff, Ex Machina, and uh, man, <laughs> I really don't know uh, I don't know what to make out of this movie. And, you know, because when, when I so I mentioned it, you know, I, I tried seeing this was a couple weeks ago or whatever. And I saw the trailer once. And, you know, so immediately if it the way I look at it, like when it's 824, you know, it's going to be good. You know, it's probably going to be kind of freaky. So not all the movies are like disturbing freaky because like uh, everything everywhere all at once. That was just it was weird, but it was a good movie and it you know had a good feeling and stuff like that. But you look at like Heredity, you look at uh, um, Midsummer, um, you know some of these movies just get kind of weird and, and disturbing, and you know so you know that that's a heavy possibility. Looking at the trailer for this, I did get that sense that like oh this is going to be a more like the weird freaky type of movie. And it, it definitely is. The, the one thing, you know, I, I think about when, with Annihilation. So while Annihilation, vastly different from the books, you know, it, it clearly does its own thing and goes a different way. And, and I, I can appreciate the two separately for what they are, because whatever. But the main thing, you know, if you think about the movie, what, what stands out is that bit, that bear. That bear was so, like, disturbing. And if, if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. So you kind of get some of that here, especially towards the, the the last, like the final act of this movie. Oh my gosh, what is going on? 
oh, I had like such a weird look. I'm if if there was like a reaction camera on on my face, I almost had this look of like I could just feel it. Obviously, I didn't see what I was what I looked like, but it must have been like kind of like confusion and revulsion and. Uh, I don't, it's just like all this like weird emotions mixed in and like wanting to look away. And it's like, what the heck am I, what, what is going on? It was such a bizarre movie. So just like for that alone, it's like, you got to watch this. Like, where is this going? So what is this movie about? And I don't want to give too much away, but it starts off with this, this woman uh, played by Jesse Buckley. So her name's Harper and she wants to rent out this house in this small cottage and apparently what had happened that the synopsis that i read said that her i was following the death of her ex-husband it turns out actually you know they were married she wanted a divorce and he was just like no it's like why are you divorcing me and at one point he's like i'll kill myself if we do this and which is like such a crappy thing it's like okay i get if you're in a if the relationship's falling apart but if someone is threatening to kill themselves, it's like, oh, if you don't stay with me, I'm going to kill myself. I mean, are you basically saying that you're okay being with someone just because you threatened them that you were going to harm yourself? So you're 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 praying you're under emotions that you know you're you're hoping that they have emotions that it just seems like why would you want to force someone to be with you? If someone doesn't want to be with you, you know, sometimes there's there's just nothing that can be done. And to try to, I don't know, the way I look at it is like to, to try to convince someone to be with you, that that's not how relationships are supposed to work. You know, yeah, relationships take work that, you know, you got to put work into it. But when you're having to try to trick or, or conv- you know, that just doesn't seem right. So her husband dies and, you know, it's, we, we see like flashbacks, like how it happened and what led up to it and different things like that. So she just wants to go out to this place on her own. She drives out there. It's, it's like, I think she, she said it was like three, three or four hour drive or something like that. Gorgeous scenery. Oh my gosh. I mean, this place is so nice. And the house is, is, is really nice. This dude, uh, um, Jeffrey, who's kind of, kind of a little, a little odd. Uh, he shows her around, shows her the place and her stuff like that. And, um, so she kind of settles in and it, it's, it's just a little weird. You know, my whole thing, and I know it's kind of sexist, but it's like, okay, here's this woman and she's alone because I'm like, so I, I don't trust any, any, anyone, especially, you know, men, you know, most men, cause you I always, you think the worst is going to happen. Cause she, he, at one point he's like, Oh, is your, your husband, you know, is he coming or something like that? And she's like, no, because she's had signed it. Mrs. Whatever. Cause she forgot the, the change it or whatever. Cause like at one point he's like, he, you know, gives her the key and he's like, Oh, it's just the one key. He's like, don't worry if, if you misplace it. He's like, we don't really, you know, lock up around here anyways. But I'd be like, dude, I don't trust you. It's like, and it's like, how do you even know that he doesn't have another key that he's not going to try to like sneak in and be a creeper, or like spy on her or whatever. You know, I always worry. It's like, are there like hidden cameras or anything around? It's like, how do you trust this place or whatever? But maybe he's just a really nice guy who's a little odd and quirky, you know, as he's like, tries making some jokes and stuff like that. So then uh, at one point she, you know, she talks to her, her, her friend and uh, you know, she FaceTimes her friends and, and, and her one friend. And, you know, kind of mentions a place or something like that, but you know, she doesn't want to give it to her now because she's tired or anything. But then later she goes on this walk, and again, gorgeous, gorgeous countryside. 
she just goes around and you know these fields and through these trees and and at one point it's like starts raining and you know it's lightly raining and she's just like under under the trees and just watching it all she keeps walking and she reaches this huge like tunnel you know because she's like on a on a lower level whatever and um it's like pitch black it's like black but you can see the light on the other side and it's just like green from just all the lush you know vegetation everything over there and she kind of like yells like an echo and you know it, it echoes back it almost echoes like too much or whatever and and she she's thinking of like the, I, I i don't know if this is, has anything to do with it but you know at one point she does play the piano she told uh jeffrey that she doesn't play the piano because there's a piano there but she can play like really well she walks through the tunnel i'm like oh lady what are you doing don't go in that tunnel <laughs> what are you doing she has no flashlight or anything like that there's like water in there and so she she goes about halfway through starts doing the echo thing again and kind of doing different tones and it sounds kind of cool but it also sounds kind of creepy in in a, a movie that you is already has a creepy vibe and and they and they kind of use this this echo music again later and it's it's just it's kind of freaky so she's there and and it's still it's like pretty long ways to the edge but then she kind of looks over and it's like there's someone on the other end of the tunnel and then the the person starts like coming towards her so she's like all right so she turns around starts going and then she starts going faster and she's just like kind of running through she goes through the woods and you know she kind of gets turned around or whatever and and she eventually reaches this other place like almost like another tunnel but it's like boarded up so she can't go that way so she has to climb up the embankment whatever it goes and and then there's like this other shack there uh and it's you know it's a kind of cool looking place she reaches this clearing and then, then I think she kind of realized she's probably just being silly. You know, she's just scared over nothing. It was probably, you know, just totally innocent like that. And she like, you know, looks back at the place and like, oh, this is kind of cool. Takes out her phone, you know, take a picture of it. And when she takes a picture, she like sees something in, in the, on her phone and she looks out. There's a dude standing there completely naked, like bald, naked, like just white, just nakedness. And she's just like, okay. So then she turns around and leaves. But then what what gets freaky later is she's talking to her friend uh, on on she's FaceTiming again, and the naked dude's like in the yard because there's just like this apple tree, and but she doesn't see him. And then he like she's like in the living room talking to her friend, and then he like kind of sees her walk by or something like that. And then he starts looking in the window, and she's showing her friend around or something like that. Totally doesn't see him, and and then eventually she does see him, and, and so and. But then it seems like, is it innocent? Is there something going on? Later, she goes to this church and she's thinking about her husband. There's like that. This vicar starts talking to her because, oh, there's this like weird kid outside the church. And he had like this, I don't know, it's like a Marilyn Monroe, like plastic mask. And there's something up with this kid because he wanted to play hide and seek. And then uh, the vicar starts talking to her. But then the vicar starts like saying, you know, because she, he heard her like in anguish. You know, he knew that she was upset, but he didn't want to say anything. And then, then he kind of starts turning around to like, he's like, oh, you must feel guilt over what happened. She's like, I don't feel guilt for what he did. Because, you know, she explains like more like something that he did before, which I won't spoil that. So she's, and she's like, well, screw you. And, and she, you know, she, you know, t- leaves and stuff like that. But then, um, so when you look at all this and it's just why is this movie called men there's like something going on there there was one woman cop that came to the house but it's like you know because she goes to this bar and there's only men in there and it's just like 
there's just this, this sense of unease. She goes back to her place and then things start kind of turning a little bit. And um, yeah, I don't want to say anything more, but then there's some parts that get, get a little gruesome or whatever. And, and there's a lot of suspense and just freakiness and, but yeah, I really don't want to spoil what happens at the end. And I'm just like, what the heck is going on? It is so bizarre. Oh my gosh. It's just, and then, you know, just, so I'm not even sure like what the message in this movie, it almost seems like it, this is even, you know, Alex Garland, he's, he's a dude, but it almost seems like this is like a, not necessarily like an anti-men thing, but it's, it's definitely, I, I don't know what this stuff at the end, what does this mean? I don't know if the symbolism or if there's supposed to mean anything, if it's just like freaky imagery or, oh gosh, man. And this is a movie, I, you know, some people are just going to hate it. You know, like I, I was, I was thinking like, you know, I was saying my daughter's like, she would not, she would despise, she was, would hate this movie with a passion if she were to see it. But it's, it is a good movie. <laughs> It's such a weird movie. I'm glad I got to see it. And like I said, man, the scenery is so, so gorgeous. I would love, I'd kind of love to go there, but this is ty- the also type of movie. It's like, I don't know if I'd want to travel alone in some, you know, little village out in the middle of nowhere, because when things start going down at night, it's like, well, what do you do? You know? Oh, there's, cause there's another point, which I, don't, I shouldn't spoil this. Cause like when she's uh FaceTiming her friend, and like at one point, like the 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 footage starts like kind of glitching out because bad connection. It almost looks like I don't know if it was just me, but it almost looks like there's like some skull or demon or something like flickering in in the imagery for you know in the the footage, the video for a second. So it's just yeah, it was a uh, it was it was it was a bit disturbing. So, uh, but it's it's a quality movie and. Uh, I just, I really don't know what to make of it. You know, I've, I've had time to like think about it and everything like that, but it's just, I just really don't know. And uh, it's, it is worth watching, but you have to just understand that it's going to be freaky and um, a little disturbing, but it's, it's good. You should definitely see that. So that is Men from, from A24, uh, written and directed by Alex Garland. I have no idea what, what happened. Just and just the end. It's just like because then when it when it's over and then I'm like, that's it. <laughs> what the heck just happened? <laughs> oh man. Oh, it, it's 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 something. <laughs> so go go watch it as soon as you can. Okay, and now for the main feature is Stranger Things season four, and I I feel like this is gonna be way too long. So. I don't know if I should just talk fast, try to go through everything. I know I need to edit. We'll see. Um, so episode, so four, one chapter one, the hellfire club. And the other thing is like, <laughs> dang it, man, these episodes were so long. So here I, I'm, I'm so glad I was able to watch all of them within, within a week, but it, it becomes a chore for me. And I know that's silly. I know some people are like, man, I want more. And, and some people are like angry that it was a cliffhanger. It's like, <laughs> whatever you want it to be over right away. So this way, at least we still have more episodes to look forward to. So I don't understand. Some, I I feel like the whole binging thing has just spoiled people. So anyways, I would prefer, as I keep constantly saying that if they trickle these out, because 
like after this, I'm not going to talk about it until July or whatever, until you know the next episode comes out. And then once that's done, who's gonna? No one's going to talk about it anymore. So it starts off. We see uh, Martin Brenner get getting dressed, and uh, it's September eighth, nineteen seventy nine. Cuts to the Hawkins National Laboratories. There's a uh, experiment kids in the, the common room. Brenner comes in. He takes kid zero one zero zero ten whatever for more tests. They, and they walk past the door with 11 on it. Brenner draws uh, like a sun on a paper with a crayon. He asks 10 what he sees. So they're testing his telepathy. And he says a yellow circle. So he saw the sun. Brenner draws something else. And 10 says it's a cow. And Brenner looks at it. It was supposed to be a dog. And then they laugh. Because <laughs> whatever. And should they do something more challenging? So they find Dr. Ellis. She's doing lessons with six in his room six is trying to move a red block or something like that and she's like can you hear what they're saying and he says something's wrong they're screaming and then ten's nose starts bleeding this alarm goes off and there's gunshots and ten says they're both dead there's a banging on a door they're screaming door slammed open off the hinges it hits brenner he wakes up he's got blood on his forehead ten's dead he hears more screaming guards and orderlies are dead in the hall other kids dead lots of blood kids are all dead in the common room and there's one kid standing and it's 11 and brenner's like what have you done what have you done so it's like holy crap 11 just killed all these kids and guards and orderlies or did she so then um it's uh we get this letter dear mike today is day 185 so 11 11 i just i kind of get a little annoyed with her character whatever the way she's written so she's writing this this letter about how great things are at school she's working the school project joyce got a job working from home on the phone she's selling encyclopedias will is, is painting a lot but won't show her he's been acting weird jonathan has been acting weird too because he's started smoking pot with his pizza delivering friend argyle and he, you know he's waiting for college maybe or something like that so she hopes that he and nancy get to go together so levin's happy she even likes school now so then we see lenora hills california march 21st 1986 and she's like everyone is nice she's like i have lots of friends but it's not true like she sits in class like someone shoots a spitball at her face and starts laughing it's like who does that she's excited for spring break because she's gonna get to see mike so then Nancy barges into his room because he's, you know, reading a letter or something like that. She's like, you have 10 seconds or I'm leaving without you. So Dustin is talking to his girlfriend, Susie. They're over to whatever radio. They're hacking into the school website. He got a D minus in Latin. So she changes it to an A. Steve Harrington and Robin, they're driving. They're talking about their love lives. So Robin is nervous. Did they mention, did they mention at the end that, that Robin is gay? Because, you know, it seemed like is Steve and Robin going to hook up? Because, you know, they worked at the ice cream together. They went on this crazy adventure. They survived. But they're talking about how, you know, they're basically they're good friends, which is cool. You know, I, I, I do like that. So there's a basketball prep rally. Uh, Lucas now is on the team. He, like, waves to Max. And she just, like, looks the other way. So apparently they're not talking anymore. Mike's not happy because uh, the team has another game tonight because they're in this tournament. Lucas won't make the Hellfire Dungeons and Dragon game, and um, 
Lucas is hoping that they're going to come to the game, but you know, this could be their way to become popular instead of just being nerds, but they're like, they don't really care about being popular, but Lucas does. So Joyce is on the phone selling encyclopedias. She gets this big package in the mail. There's like Russian stamps and she finally opens it. There's like this Russian doll inside. Eleven does her presentation. It's supposed to be about heroes. She does one about her dad, Hopper. The other kids are like laughing at her. There's this mean girl like giving her a hard time. And Eleven's like starting to get upset. And then uh, after Will tries telling her it wasn't that bad. But then uh, is weird. So here's this other thing I I just realized. So this girl tries like playing footsies with him or something like that. And he just like pulls his, his foot away. It's like, what are you doing? Max walks by Lucas in the hall. And she has to go talk to a counselor a couple she's got a couple c's whatever they're like that's not normal for you and then the counselor she's like how's your mom holding up and you know stuff like that lucas is kind of waiting for outside and he gives her a ticket to the game he says that she should find something that she cares about and it's like she's not even here it's like she's a ghost and she's like thanks type of thing you know she's like whatever she goes into the bathroom and the and chrissy the head cheerleader she's in there it's like she's throwing up is she pregnant because Max is like, are you okay? And she's like, just, just leave me alone, whatever. So Max leaves. Then Chrissy hears her mom outside the stall. And then there's like some monster out there. Like the door shaking, whatever. She finally comes. There's like nothing out there. So this cheerleader is like having some weird hallucination. Mike and Dustin are supposed to find. They're told by the main Hellfire dude that they have to find someone to replace Lucas. Joyce calls Murray, Murray Bauman, about the package and a doll. And he asks if she can undress her, uh, the doll. And she's like, uh, she has nipples? And then she's like, oh, it's cracked. It seems like they had glued it back together. Chrissy's walking home, the cheerleader. She's walking home through the woods. And then she sees this, like, grandfather clock, like, stuck in a tree. And then it chimes and cracks. And, like, these spiders come out. Um, the burnout guy... His name is Eddie from the Hellfire Club. He's there too, I guess, to like sell her pot or something like that. So they start talking and she's like, do you have anything stronger? Eleven gets an F on her math test. And then later, the mean girl trips her outside and she falls. This boy steps on her diorama that she made about, about Hopper. She gets up and she's like, Angela. And she like reaches out her hand and she's like, ah, and nothing happens because Eleven doesn't have her powers anymore. Everyone laughs. Joyce, um, after talking to Murray, she ties like a can of paint, paint to a rope to drop it on a doll. Because Murray said that there could be a bomb in there, so he wanted. He said suggested that she drop it from like a distance. She finds a note inside. There's, it's like ransom note style, and it says Hopper is alive. Dustin might get Lucas' sister Erica, annoying little Erica, to sub for the Hellfire Club basketball game. It's tied, it's close, whatever. Lucas shoots the winning basket. Uh, Erica, at the same time during the game, Erica rolls the winning game roll. So Lucas and he sees his friends and his sister after the Hellfire Club, and you can tell that he's a little bothered because, you know, they're his friends and everything. Max sees Chrissy and and uh, the burnout guy, Eddie, by his trailer. So uh, Eddie's trailer is like just across like, away from Max's. Um, so. Chrissy wants some like special K drug or whatever. And then uh, she calls out to Eddie. Then 
her mom is like sewing, letting her cheerleading outfit out, probably because she's pregnant and you know gaining weight. And then she turns into like has like this monster face. And Eddie finally comes out, and Chrissy's just standing in the middle, like the living room area, like in a trance. Her eyes are like like all like white or whatever. So he tries like waking her up and whatever. The lights kind of flicker in, in the trailer, and she's still like in a dream world in her house. And then like this creature comes like down the stairs. So then the monster's like, don't cry, Chrissy. It's time for your suffering to end. She starts floating and then like in front of Eddie and then she like slams, sounds loud. <laughs> she slams into the ceiling and then her arms, legs, jock. It's like all snaps, it's like all nasty. And Eddie just screams. So that's the first episode. Okay, so under 10 minutes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, episode four, two, chapter two, Vecna's curse. So we get a flashback to Hopper from last season, the big machine going off, you know, sealing the portal thing, whatever. He lies on the ground, his eyes open after the explosion thing. Then we see Max wakes with the start. There's sirens outside. Cops rush to Eddie's place. His dad called the police, said that he found this girl, and he's like, I've never seen her before. Mike arrives at the airport later. Will seems a little bummed that Mike is going on and on about 11. Um, Murray also arrives uh, to talk to, to meet with Joyce. More talk between Rob and Steve at the video store. They work at the video store. She's talking about this girl. She likes Vicky because she's like on the, the band squad or whatever with, with Robin. She turns uh, on the TV to put a movie in, but there's news reports of the death of a Hawkins student. So Max shows up at Dustin's, tells him it's Chrissy because she saw the cheerleader outfit through the open door and saw her last night outside Eddie's. So Dustin gets super defensive. He's like, no way Eddie could be involved. And then she mentions the flickering lights and then Eddie running out of the trailer and leaving in his van. And he looks scared. So it's like, you know, why would he, you know, why would he be scared and running away? Murray arrives at Joyce. Um, he reads the note that Joyce found. He doesn't trust it. He says that they, that she saw him die. And she's like, I didn't see a body. And Murray's like, that's because he evaporated. Then we see a hopper climbs up this ladder. Russian soldiers are there. They tie him up. They start interrogating him. Like, who is he working with? Who's the woman in the photo? There's, you know, Joyce. They torture him. They put, like, put a gas mask on and squeeze the hose and like all the stuff, you know, trying to get him to talk. And then we see Mike, 11, Will. They go to a roller rink. 11 lies, says she goes there a lot. She has friends. And Will's like, what? When Will gets uh, a chance or a moment alone with her, he asks her, you know, why is she lying? That Mike's not going to be happy when he finds out. Then Angela, the mean girl, and her cronies show up. And they're all ecstatic to see Eleven so they can get revenge on her for snitching on Angela. So also after the, the fight thing, whatever, uh, there's like this crowd. There's a, Her teacher comes out and sees Max on, on you know, on the I think she was on the ground. No, she was on the ground. So, but her like diorama was, was smashed and 11 didn't say anything, but the teacher just assumed it. And, and she knew she figured it out. So then uh, the police questioned Christie's boyfriend, Jason. So he's like the captain of the basketball team, whatever. And he, that sort of team partied at this one place last night. They drank. Um, then Jason goes off into woods after he finds out that's, you know, something happened to Chrissy. Cause he didn't know like why they were talking to him. Dustin and Max go to the video store to set up a base of operations. They talk to uh, Steve and Robin. Nancy and this managing editor at school paper, I think his name was Fred, they try going to the trailer park. She lies to the officer that she's there to check on her friend Max. 
Fred saw like a weird vision of officer turning into like a creature and accusing him of murdering a kid last year. So I guess Fred must have been last season. I, I totally don't remember him. Jonathan tells his friends that his friend Argyle that he got an acceptance letter for Lenora Community College. And he's like, I thought you're supposed to go to college with, with Nancy. But he feels like that he can't leave his mom and Will. He's also afraid like what would happen like if they end up together will they get divorced would the kids end up hating them and all this stuff like that so then after roller rink states or angela comes up to where 11 i think her name was angela right she comes up to where 11 mike and will are mike says it's cool to meet some l jane's friends because they call her jane and angela's like uh yeah she's like let's skate so then will tells mike you know that they take 11 out on the rink and will tells mike that she's lying 11's taken out into the center and then the dj dedicates a song to the snitch and they play wipe out <laughs> wipe out the other kids start skating around her calling her a loser and a baby and one dude has like a big camcorder is like recording it then the kid who um took her you know took her shake whatever throws it on her everyone's laughing and a dj doesn't seem to care like how customers are treated 11's like in in tears so the thing is you can't throw like a shake on an ice rink because that's the liability and and yeah it's the 80s and things are different i guess there's no adults there like who this just seems crazy that this would be happening so Marie does some fiddling around, reroutes Joyce's phone. So when she calls a number on a note, that it's going to say that she's calling from like Nebraska or I forget where or something like that. This guy named Enzo answers and the dude says that she needs her to make a deposit of $40,000. So go to Alaska and give the money to this guy, Yuri. And then she asks for proof of life. And he's like, that's not possible. It's like, your friend is stuck. So this this dude Enzo calls from like a payphone, and there's like this other lady's like out. She's like yelling because she wants to use the phone or something like that. But Joyce mentions that Enzo, I guess, was the name of a restaurant or something like that that her and Hopper went to. So she's like, that's not even that's not his name or whatever. This lieutenant colonel dude arrives at Hawkins via helicopter. He looks at Chrissy's body. Jason thinks that Eddie's in a cult and that they did some sort of sacrifice with Chrissy. Lucas tells him it's not a cult. And the team's like, well, how do you know? He's like, because uh, my sister, you know, he, she, she's in the club or whatever. Jason rallies a team to go after the freak, which is just typical, I guess, stupid, but whatever. Dustin, Max, Steve, and Robin have been calling around trying to get a lead on Eddie. Nancy tries talking to people around the trailer park. No one wants to talk. She finally goes to Eddie's uncle. I, I thought it was his dad, but maybe it's his uncle, Wayne. She convinces him to tell his side of the story. And Fred hears a clock chime and he wanders off into the woods. The clock is now on a casket. And then there are like several mourners in black. Then they start turning to zombies, calling him a murderer. So he's, he's having like hallucinations. The Russians have shaved Hopper's head. And it's, I think the reason was so he doesn't look like how he looked in Black Widow. Whatever. He's taken to the prison and they're basically like, you run, you die. So Murray and Joyce listen to the recording of Enzo's call. There's the lady was banging on on the, the phone booth, so they figure that he must be a prison guard. So Mike and Will are, are talking, whatever. So Will's upset that they've talked maybe twice in the past year, but L has a book of letters from him, and 
so she's like because they, they don't know where she went at the roller rink she's like hiding in an employees only like office she hears uh angela i think is her name angela i don't know why i have stacy or angela she and, and the, the other friends are you know outside she decides to go out and she tells angela she ruined her day and she wants her to say sorry and to tell her boyfriend that it was a joke that they're really friends and she like laughs and walks away l grabs a roller skate goes after slams her face with it and then blood starts gushing from her nose and mike and will come up and then she thinks back to brenner saying what have you done so the four go to house dustin max is it max yeah dustin max steven and robin they they go to where they think eddie's at there's no answer max she finds this like shed barn whatever in the back so he was hiding there and he he almost uh cut steve's throat i think the house belonged to druggy dave i forget like eddie's drug supplier or something like that so they, they he almost cuts steve's throat with a broken bottle they talk him down dustin and robin convince him eddie that they want to help him they just want to talk and he's like well you won't believe me nancy's still looking for fred it's dark now so she goes to the officer she said you know fred was in the woods and and he's like angry he's like i said you know you're supposed to you're not even supposed to be here so he told her to, to, to check on her friend and leave right away fred's in the woods he reaches this road and then there's this like overturned car on fire someone crawls off and then he like falls into like this deep hole grave so he's still having hallucinations dustin explains to eddie that there's a world beneath hawkins there are something worse than ghosts and if they're back then they need to know so they ask if he saw anything like dark particles or dust and then uh the main creature dude vecna he goes up to fred and says that he wants him to join him on the road fred starts floating and then his bones start snapping and he falls to the road and then dustin says that he says vecna's curse Vecna is a spellcaster, a dark wizard. And we see Vecna is like in this old house. Uh, episode 403, Chapter 3, The Monster and the Superhero. This episode was like an hour and three minutes. So this was an actually shorter episode. <laughs> in Ruth, Nevada, this lady's doing the dishes and there's this like rumbling. She goes to her husband, Sam Owens, so Paul Reiser. There's bright lights outside, a chopper. The lieutenant colonel guy's there. Sam looks at a picture of the body of chrissy whatever did they have pictures of fred too maybe the coroner thinks that it goes back to brenner's pet and sam says 11 is dead the colonel doesn't think so he he says that you know he thinks that he's helping or whatever so he's like you can do this the easy way or the hard way so they start like searching and like taking things and stuff like that at the skate rink the paramedics whatever tend to angela everyone's gathered around everyone's looking Jonathan and Argyle, they show up to pick up Eleven, Mike, and Will. Um, they they seem like they're stoned or something like that. Eleven ends up getting going. She just goes up up to her room when it, it's mentioned the girl got smacked in the face at the rink or something like that. So she's just upset, of course. Lucas sees Jason and his two buddies getting ready to talk to Eddie. Like they have a bat and a monkey wrench and, you know, they're just ready to beat him up, I guess. Fred's body is found in the middle of the road. Nancy's question, and then she sees uh, Steve, Robin, Max, and Dustin. <laughs> Too many people. They they drive up. Mike tries talking to Eleven. She's still in a room. She's like working. She's trying to fix a diorama. 
he says that you know, he's been bullied his whole life. He knows what it's like. She's like, no, she's like, I'm different. People look at me like I'm a monster. And she's like, you even looked at me like that yesterday. He's like, you know, I care about you so much. She's like, care? You don't love me? You never say it. She's like, oh my gosh, get over it, whatever. And he's like, you, you can't let the mouth breathers bother her, whatever. He's like, they're nobodies. You're a superhero. She's like, not anymore. So please, uh, they show up to talk to Jane. They have a warrant for her, so she's arrested. So it's like, just like that, because you know Joyce isn't isn't there, and they just like take her off, and they're, they're, she's, she's arrested just like that. Um, in Russia, the prisoners are forced to work on rails. Hoppers, Russians getting better. Enzo tells them that he's heard from his friends in America. So if he gets his money, then Hopper gets to go back to America. Max, Dustin, Steve, and Robin, they fill Nancy in and everything. Nancy wants to check on something. She says it's a shot in the dark. So Steve wants to go with, but Robin doesn't have a license, so she can't drive his car. So she's going to go with Nancy. And then uh, in the, the Eddie's trailer, or his uncle's trailer, whatever, a crack starts forming like in the ceiling. Vecna is in like this haunted house in the upside down. He's like spying on, on everything again on people. He's, I guess he's trying to figure out who to go after next. Then he goes into one of the basketball players. And then um, Jason, they go up to Eddie's band. They just start like attacking them, like hassling them. Like, where's Eddie? And blah, blah, blah. Eleven is questioned by the police. They tell her the girl she hit got a grade two concussion. And she doesn't seem upset. So did she want to kill her? And, you know, all this like that. Just like ask her. So she's going to be transferred to juvenile hall. Which again, this is like all going so fast. Hopper gets this other prisoner to hit his like leg cuff with the hammer, you know, to try to bend it, or whatever, so he can like try to squeeze his foot out of there. Nancy and Robin go to the library to look into Victor Creel. So he was this murderer that Wayne had told her about, and he he killed people like back in 1959. Max talks to the counselor at her house while Stephen and Dustin wait outside. Dustin thinks that Steve threw himself at Nancy. You know, he's he thinks that he likes her, whatever. So the counselor, because they're trying to, the reason she's talking to the counselor, like, is there a connection or whatever, you know, what's going on? And the counselor obviously won't say anything, but then Max manages to steal her office keys. You know, she has to use the bathroom and she sees the keys like in the, in the kitchen or something like that. Jason um, and his crew go to Dustin's. Lucas sneaks in, you know, Dustin's not home, but they think he must know where Eddie's at. Lucas sneaks into Dustin's bedroom to try calling him on the radio. Uh, end up like the whatever police van they're taking a, a 11 it's gets intercepted by three cars so 11 you know she wants to try to run what but sam owens is with them so hopper has this like big nasty gash in his his ankle now from i guess the, all the hammering he tries like sliding the cuff off it's just it's is pretty gross nancy's reading articles about this victor creel guy She's kind of like testy with Robin and everything like that. So Robin says, she's like, by the way, she's like, me and Steve are totally not a thing in case that's adding any tension between us. And she's like, what are you talking about? Whatever. Robin find, finds this file in a weekly watcher, which is like a tabloid paper. And, and you know, Nancy's kind of scoffing at that. She's like, that's just like a, you know, tab, you know rag, tabloid, whatever. But Victor claimed that an ancient demon killed a family so it's like who else was, would you know report on this? So there's picture shows the old house where Vecna is, and Robin says that if a demon did invade his home, you know he was you're gonna he was declared insane after that or something like that. 
So they break in at the school. Max finds Chrissy's file in the, the counselor's office. And it turns out Fred was also going to the counselor too. So maybe there, that's a connection. Sam is sitting in a, a diner with Eleven. And she asks if she's in trouble. And he's like, oh, we'll make the roller skate thing go away. Hawkins is in danger now. So she and her friends have done so much that he hates to ask. But he thinks that she's the one that can do something to stop what's coming. She's like, I don't have my powers. And he says that he's like, well, what if I said there was a way to bring them back so he can bring them back stronger? There are others who think that that she's the cause, but he thinks that she's a cure. If so, she has to leave with him like right now. If it fails, she'll never see her friends again. She asks if her friends and Hawkins are in danger. And he's like, yeah. Um, So Max is looking at the files. Chrissy's was getting headaches. Fred was too. And it turns out, you know, Max has been taking aspirins, um, having nosebleeds, constant nightmares, past trauma. So then she hears a low growl voice call her name. And then Eleven says that, what if she's the monster? And he's he says that he doesn't know her that well, but he believes otherwise. She's like, come with him and find out now. So then, unfortunately, Max hears chimes at the hall. So, you know, that's not a good thing. She's uh, walking alone in the hall and she sees a grandfather clock like embedded in the wall. She starts walking towards it and Vecna whispers, Max. And then his eyes open up. Chapter or episode four, chapter four, Dear Billy. So this episode was like an hour and 18 minutes. Jonathan, Will, and Mike are told that Eleven is training to get her powers back. There's trouble in Hawkins. This lady, the lady in the suit, whatever, she tells them that it could take weeks or months. Until then, these two other dudes in suits will stay with them. So Eleven left a note for Mike, and she says that she has to go become a superhero again. Nancy and Robin arrive at the school. Max tells them there's a grandfather clock in the hall, but then she woke up. She tells them about the symptoms. You know, Chrissy's headache started a week ago. Fred started six days ago. Max has been having him for five days. So Fred and Chrissy both died within 24 hours of the vision, and she just saw the clock. She knows her time is running out. They hear something in the hall. Steve goes to check, and it's Lucas. He tells them Jason's looking for Dustin, so he like snuck away. Jason goes to Lucas' house and talks to his sister. And she's like all sassy and everything, giving him attitude. Nancy and Robin are going to pose as college students. And they're going to try to talk to Victor at the asylum. So they're going to try to you know, act like they're writing a paper about whatever, you know, the his mind and blah, blah, blah. The guy in charge isn't going to let them in without a proper request and stuff like that. And then Robin goes on this rant, you know, about how they're women and if, if they're men or if they're boys, that, you know, things would be different, blah, 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 like that. And it actually ends up working because, you know, Nancy, Nancy made Robin like put on one of her old like frilly dresses and she hated it. It was itchy and she could barely walk in heels. And she told Robin not to say anything. She'd do the talking, but Robin's rant ended up working. Enzo, his name's not really Enzo, but um, it's Antonov, I think, Anton Antonov. He gives Hopper instructions on where to go. Max wrote a letter to Billy and the others for later. So in case, you know, when she dies, she wants everyone to have a letter. Joyce and Mary go to the airstrip to meet with Yuri. Hopper escapes the chain gang. Nancy and Robin talk to Victor. They say they believe him and they need his help. And his eyes are kind of like pretty gross. Victor is played by Robert England, which was cool. Argyle was supposed to deliver a pizza to the house. 
so Jordan, Will, and Mike could escape. So they, they told uh, one of the suits guys that they're hungry and they wanted pizza. Armed soldiers show up and for first and start shooting. One suit gets shot like right away. There's so there's a big firefight. The other suit gets shot too. The the kids they escape in the pizza van. Yuri um, counts all the money that Joyce and Murray give him. Hopper hopped onto a snowmobile, makes his way to his town. He goes into his church and it turns out it's like a smuggler's base because he finds like a crate of Levi's and there's like a crate of Jeff peanut butter. Yuri calls Enzo. And then he says, you know, it turns out escaped prisoners are worth a lot. So he talked to the warden. He turned in Enzo also. So, and then he's like, and Americans wanted by the KGB are, you know, also worth a lot. So he drugged the coffee that he made that he had for um, Joyce and Murray, and they pass out. And then Hopper, they find him at the church place and they take him. Victor tells them, Robin and Nancy about when he and his family moved into the new house after the war. They had one month of peace in the house and it began. Dead mutilated animals started appearing by their house. Police said it, it was a wildcat. Then visions started, nightmares. He could sense that something was close. So he was convinced that it was hiding, it was nesting. His wife, Virginia, was taken first. We see him at dinner. She's like slammed to the ceiling that her bone snapped, just like you know, we were seeing. He tried getting the kids out and then he was like back in the war and there was like German soldiers inside and his demon was taunting him. He hears this other voice, like, was it an angel? And then the demon took his children and he was locked up. He tried to join them or something like that. He had a razor blade and he like sliced his eyes. But this doctor dude that's running the place, he saved him. Then Nancy asks him about the other voice. And then the main doctor dude comes in angry because he checked in with uh, their professor that he knew. And and he realized that they're lying, that they shouldn't be there. So Max reads Billy's letter to him at his grave. So she's saying how things have been bad. His dad couldn't handle Billy not being there. So he left and didn't leave her mom much. So um, the worst thing is that she can't tell anyone what happened. You know, Billy saved Eleven's life. She'd like to think that they could have been friends. Then it starts um, getting dark. You hear this like eerie laughter. So it's Vecna. She's in a trance now. Steve goes up because, you know, they're supposed to give her some time alone. He's like, you know, this is long enough. He sees her eyes are glazed over and um, Billy is like talking to her. Like is what she sees says that you know he's been waiting to hear those words for a long time but it wasn't the fun truth uh, there was a part of her that was buried deep that wanted him to die that day and she's like backing up and then she like falls and then she sees vecna and he says it's time time for her to join him she starts running robin and nancy are being escorted out um, to wait for the police which is like why because they they went to a mental hospital or something like that robin says Victor mentioned music was playing the night of the attack. When they asked him about the angel, he started to hum, Dream a Little Dream of Me by Ella Fitzgerald. So, and Hatch had said something before, I think Hatch is like Professor Dude, said that music can reach a part of the mind that words can't. So maybe it's a lifeline back to reality. So then they run to the car and they escape. You're from the, from the, the stupid security people. Max is still running, and now she's in this dark cemetery. Dustin's been trying to call Robin on a walkie-talkie because he thinks that they've figured this out. Max walks into this big red mist, so she's now heads towards this like weird spiky structure, and there's like lightning and stuff in the sky. Dustin grabs 
Max's Walkman, he asked Lucas, what's her favorite song? What's in, you know, cause Robin had said something about the music. Max reaches an area. There's like a, a, a clock, you know, another grandfather clock. And there's like dead bodies embedded in like these giant spikes. Uh, there's like, you know, Chrissy's there and Fred's there. She tries running and ends like some ten- tentacles grab her. They put the headphones on her running up the hill by Kate Bush, who now everyone apparently has always loved this song because they're, they're so cool like Max. And I'm not a big Kate Bush fan. I'm okay with the song. I, I just, I, I'm personally not a fan. Uh, I have nothing against her. It's not, not my cup of tea. Um, and so the, an opening forms to the cemetery. Vecna's like, they can't help her. Max starts floating up in the real world. So this is how it ends, right? He's about to snap her bones, and then she looks at the opening. She thinks about Lucas saying he doesn't want a letter, and you know, because he's like, I'm right here. She thinks about the other. She thinks, you know, about Eleven hanging out with them, goofing around, dancing with Lucas. And then she pulls like a tendril out of like Vecta's neck or whatever, and he like drops her and she runs. He starts causing these giant rocks and things to fall from the sky. She keeps running and then she falls, but then Lucas hugs her. Slow instrumental version of running up the hill plays and it fades to black so she's safe for now chapter five the nina project so this episode was an hour and 16 minutes so the the pizza van zips away the agent that got shot he's bleeding in the back he doesn't want a hospital he says that they have to warn owens the female officer and he says something like, like contacting nina and then um they like well write her number down he like he takes out a pen hands it to him but then he dies the house is getting ransacked by the soldiers they're just tearing the place apart the lieutenant colonel's there and of, of course he sees the one piece of trash in the bedroom trash can it's a letter from 11 where she says she's has to be a superhero now or whatever he tells the other officer who was shot that he's going to tell him where she is even though it just says l but i guess he figured it out whatever Eleven is in the back of the car with Sam. They're driving through the desert. Um, now this is twelve hours ago. They reach his door to his underground bunker, and then the car like drops him off and leaves. It's kind of it's kind of dumb. This door is pretty obvious. It's just this little like structure that's ho- holding the door, and then the stairs lead down. If you happen to be in a desert, you're like, oh, there's a random door in the middle of nowhere. You think they would put it like on a rock or something? Or somehow try to dis- disguise it, but. I guess not. So it, they go to, under this big, huge bunker. And uh, I guess the place formerly was for ICBM missiles. There's these other soldiers and scientists there. So they believe in the cause. They believe in Eleven. He shows her this pod that they call Nina. And she starts getting nervous as like someone approaches them from above. It's Martin Brenner. And he says, hello. So I guess he's not dead. He says, he's like, I know you're frightening me. He's like, all I've wanted to do was help you. He's like, your gifts have been stolen, and I believe I know why and how to get them back. She leaves the room. She starts running. Soldiers grab her. Then this lady comes up, injects her with like this nasty needle gun or whatever. And Martin's like, oh, I'm sorry. He's like, this isn't how I wanted things to begin. Everything's going to be all right. You're home now. Hopper is getting beaten. They tell him that, He's going to be in much pain. So he's dragged into this cell. So so Enzo Antonov, he's there too. He says that Yuri the smuggler betrayed him, betrayed them, and then Hopper just hits him. So he's mad. 
Yuri's like working on his plane and gets the engine running. Joyce and Murray are, are tied up in the back of the plane. Eddie is hiding out. He calls Dustin and walkie-talkie because he needs more food. Nancy answers because they all fell asleep. Then she noticed Max is gone and she wakes up Dustin because he was supposed to be on Nancy on he was supposed to be on Max watch. Uh, but it turns out Max is actually upstairs with Nancy's parents and she has headphones on. She's been drawing that like hell place, whatever. And she says that she couldn't sleep. But the thing is, there's way too many drawings on a table. And she was using Nancy's sister's crayons. It's like there would be no red left because it's like so super detailed. And every single bit of the background is all like colored red. And so then they're kind of wondering, is it possible Max got into Vecta's mind? You know, because he gets into other people's minds, whatever. Nancy starts like folding the pictures. She's like, wait. And she folds them all. It turns out they're all pieces of, of a house, of Victor Creel's house. So it's like this kind of puzzle, whatever. Eleven wakes up. She's in a room. She's in a surgical gown. Her hair has been buzzed. The door's open. There's cameras in the room and hall. So it it's, looks like it's a recreation of before. She walks into the playroom, and there's other kids in there. This orderly shows up, and he's like, oh, hey, sleepyhead. You know, it's about time you, you finally got up or something like that. And then, uh, then it kind of repeats. He keeps saying that. So she runs out, but then she ends up coming back in. Simon says, you know, he, he's like, she's rejecting it. And they shouldn't have just thrown her in there. But Brenner's like, she's not going to drown. She's going to swim. The kids bur bury the agent's body in this, like, car junkyard that uh, Jonathan and Argyle hang out at. Argyle's, he's being annoying and yelling and freaking out. Whatever. I just, I don't like his character. I don't think he's funny at all or anything like that. So, but it turns out the agent left a number and this piece of paper in his pen. So that's why he gave him the pen. Hopper talks about how he thinks he's cursed because, you know, he had a wife and he had a daughter. She got sick and she died. Then he went on drugs and alcohol. Soon others came into his life. Joyce and the kids, everyone he loves, he hurts. So he was wrong. He isn't cursed. He is the curse. FBI look around Wayne's place to examine the crack in the ceiling. There's a memorial for Chrissy. This The other uh, basketball player sees a grandfather clock in the back room. So he's starting to get visions now. Jason looks at an old yearbook and sees Lucas is in a Hellfire Club picture. So they think that it's a cult. They don't believe the supernatural crap, but they think that they're dangerous. One kid mentions Reefer Ricks. That was his name. Um, Reefer Ricks House, and who is Eddie's supplier. So maybe he's there. It's like, gee, you're a genius that you figured that out. The kids, meanwhile, drive out to Victor Creel's old house. Max hears Vecna's voice call her name. They go inside. So apparently Max, they left like all their furniture there. You know, like no one else lived there because of all the deaths, I guess. Max sees a grandfather clock. Joyce realizes Yuri can't hear them while he's flying because he's got his headset on. So she knocks over this box of Jif peanut butter and like one of the jars cracks. She figures that they can cut their way out and then make Yuri take them back. Eleven is trying to run through the hall. She keeps ending up in the like the, the common the rainbow room as they call it. Brenner talks about this opera named Nina, so that's why they named it the pod thing, whatever that. Eleven has to find her own way out. So she's actually in the Nina tank. She's like floating in water. So she's not really obviously not really there argyle drives them to a payphone in the middle of nowhere the number just makes weird noises jonathan says it reminds him of war games like they're calling a computer so mike's like we need a hacker and they figure out that Susie is in utah 
Jason and his friends arrive at Reefer Ricks. They have like tire iron, monkey wrench, baseball bat, stuff like that. But uh, Mike's in the boat shed, so he's not in the house because they like look through the windows. They see like no one's there. Did they go inside? I can't remember if they went inside or not. Steve and Nancy are talk. Max and Lucas talk. Max notices a lamp's on. She goes to touch it, and and it turns off. And then this other one turns on. So it's like the light's like kind of leading them someplace. More tests on Eleven in a fantasy world. Uh, she still can't get her powers to work. Other kids laugh at her. But Brenner gives her this whisper uh, pep talk, and it kind of starts working barely. You know, she gets a nosebleed. She goes to wipe um, her nose, and she knows her hands are covered in blood. Then everyone's gone now. She goes in the hall. She sees all the bloody bodies um, in the tank. She's starting to go into cardiac arrest, I guess. So Sam wants to pull her out. Yuri sees Joyce is free and try to cut like Murray's rope. He points a gun at her and Murray breaks free. He goes into his karate positions because he says that he's been taking karate lessons. Yuri laughs at him and uh, Murray manages to kick the gun out of his hand. Joyce finally scrambles around and gets the gun while they're like shooting or while they're um, fighting. She shoots the gun once and it, Yuri makes a, the plane go up. So they, they lose their balance. Murray starts hitting and kicking and he knocks Yuri up uh, like he hits the ceiling he knocks yuri out but now who's gonna fly out a plane so they both go into the cockpit and then the engine starts smoking and then it goes out so they're going down they're trying to keep it balanced they crash land in the snow like the snowy field all the kids in the house they start following the lights it leads them to the attic jason and his two friends are still at the house so it's dark now then jason gets a bright idea oh let's look in the boat shed one dude hears this clock chime because he's infected Jason has uh, has him go to the, the boat shed. Eddie starts uh, rowing the boat, and then Jason sees and he he starts you know getting undressed, go swimming after him. Eddie tries starting. He's in the boat. He's trying to start the engine, but it won't won't work. So he has to keep rowing. They uh, at, at Victor's house. They find a single hanging bulb in the attic, and then their their flashlights turn on. Vecna's below them and upside down. It's like he's dormant, like he's sleeping or something like that. Jason notices um, his friend Patrick stops swimming, so he's the one that's been getting visions. Vecna opens his eyes, and then Patrick goes underwater. Then he pops up. He's like floating above the water. Then his bones and jaws. Eleven is brought out, defibrillated. Um, she hits Brenner with something, and she runs. Soldiers grab her again. She screams, which is annoying. Um, lights spark, and then the three dudes go flying back, and Brenner's like, remarkable. So she tells him, she's like, stay away. They, she, she tries using her powers on him, but then nothing happens. And he's like, it's not that easy. you know. So she doesn't understand. He says that he does, and he holds out his hand. And then she's like, Papa? And he's like, Daughter? And then they walk back holding hands. Chapter 6, The Dive. Uh, the police are at the lake. Jason's holding Patrick's body. They question him, where was Eddie when they saw this happen? They sa- he says that he was in the boat. And then the other cop, cop dude's like, right, but who lifted Patrick out of the water? And Jason's like, you're not listening. Eddie's a vessel for Satan. He made a pact with the devil. It's like, but they don't believe him. And then he's like, well, how do you expect to stop the devil if you don't believe he's real? So um, this wounded soldier is like in this drippy warehouse. There's lights behind him. He's tied up. He's bleeding. The colonel dude says that he can make the pain go away. Like, you know, where's the girl? He says he doesn't know. 
Um, then he, he he talks to him about making monsters. You know, he won't talk, and he shoves him into his box, and he screams. So I guess it's supposed to be tortured, keep him in this little box. Brenner talks to Eleven about people who get a stroke. People forget how to do things. So when she was attacked last year, it was similar. He thinks that he can awaken it. So he's recorded like every success and failure in the past. It's important for her not to just remember them, but to relive them. She doesn't remember these things because she buried the trauma. Probably the trauma of killing everyone, right? She talks about, she remembers the blood, but he says they have to go one step at a time, one memory at a time, or she could get lost in the darkness. And then they'll all be lost. Eddie goes to like this construction site. He steals this dude's radio when he uses the porta potty so he can try calling the kids. They leave the house. Uh, Robin's kind of freaking out. They head to Eddie to give Eddie some food. Then they see a crowd um, gathered at the scene. Um, the police talk to the news. They mention Patrick's name. They say that Eddie is still a person of interest. And at that moment, Eddie calls on the radio. So he's hiding at this place called Skull Rock. And so he's like, yeah, I know where that's at. Uh, the pizza gang makes it to Utah. They go to Susie's house. And it's like a madhouse in there. There's like a bunch of kids. So I don't know if this is like a big foster home. Argyle seems to have fallen in love with this one older kid, a teen girl named Eden. They... Um, they're, they're looking for Susie to go into her room and then they find her on the roof. She's like fiddling with an antenna. Murray and Joyce uh, sit by a fire that they made next to the plane. Murray's, he tried looking around the area. It's just like trees and stuff like that. Yuri is tied to a tree. They say that since or they're, they're, he's not going to cooperate, so they, they start to leave. But then he stops them. He's like, my supply warehouse is nearby. He's like, we can get supplies that you'll need to save your friend in the prison. Prisoners are in this different section of the prison they're they're brought down they they get this huge feast one guy talks about uh these others being there like one week they came out like happy and fat or face smothers in grease when night came they're thrown into the pit that's like right outside this room and he's like you know they're they're not alone because they've heard the growls there's a monster not from this world and hopper's like yeah i fought one he's like it needs a thrill at a hunt that orderly dude he's talking to eleven um, he mentions one and Eleven's like, but I heard he's not real. It's like, Papa said, and the order's like, Papa doesn't always tell the truth. Then he asks if she remembers a day a strange woman came when it was when eight was still there and she called her by a different name. So then we see a flashback. She calls her Jane. So she gets pulled away like by security. The order is like, that was your mother. And Eleven's like, mother died making me. Papa said that. Then Brenner comes in, takes the kids out of the room. Outside the tank simulation, Sam says to Brenner that they should have told her the truth. But Brenner, and Brenner says, like, and risk everything? He's like, no, she'll find out soon enough. The kids head to Skull Rock. Lucas goes on and on to Max. He's like trying to talk to her. So it seems that Vecna targets people who were hurt. Patrick came to practice one day with a black eye. He said he fell. Um, he says that he's sorry that he wasn't there for Max. She's like, it wasn't your fault that, you know, she's like, I disappeared. He's like, no, I just didn't look hard enough. And then they reach the rock and they find Eddie. So there's a town meeting. This lady's angry. He's like, how long have they known Eddie was doing things? The police, they want to enforce a strict curfew. He promises that they will find him. Jason comes in with his friends. He's like, no. And the sheriff wants him to keep quiet. He tells a crowd that last night he saw things he can't explain, things uh, the police can't police. They The murders are ritualistic sacrifices. There's 
cults. Eddie Munson is the leader of one of the cults. And he takes out a picture from the yearbook. And he says, they call themselves the Hellfire Club. And then Luca's sister, Erica, she stands up. She's like, that's BS. But she doesn't say BS. She says, it isn't a cult. It's a club for nerds. And they pass out flyers to everyone that has like their picture. And he says that the club is hiding Eddie. People start getting up because they're going to go on the hunt. Police like, anyone interfering with the investigation will be arrested. But no one's listening. Um, the Pizza Kids tell the story to Susie. Not the full facts, though. They, they make up a story. They give her the phone number. They told her the numbers for America's answer to Nintendo. So it's supposed to be a gift for Dustin. The first person that gets this location gets the counsel. So she says that she felt guilt after changing Dustin's grade. And she confessed and her, her computer got taken away. Nancy asks Eddie if he knows what time the attack was and he's like yeah he's like he watched his uh his his watch got soaked along with the walkie-talkie so when they're in the water so he like shows it, st- it stopped at 927 and that was the same time robin's flashlight went nuts or something like that so there's a surge of power during the attack dustin goes on about his compass being off when they were looking for skull rock because steve's like i know the way to skull rocks so because people would go there to make out or something like that so he says that um, Dustin said there must be another electromagnetic field close by. Maybe it's another doorway. Maybe they can find a way to Vecna and save Max and Eddie. Brenner, in uh, the fake past memory stuff, whatever, he takes the kids to his room. He's going to play a game with them. He draws chalk circles. They have to stay in them or they lose. The last person standing in their circle gets an extra hour in the rainbow room. So two go at a time. They're blindfolded. They have to use their telekinetic powers to push the other one out. I think it was um, six. He's like beating everyone. So then 11's the last one to go up against him. 11 gets shoved back a little, but she manages to stay in her circle. And then she thinks of the orderly telling um, her that one found strength in a memory that made him angry. So he's like, do you have one like that? She thinks to the lady that he said was her mom coming in and through the door and getting pulled back, whatever. And then six gets shoved back hard. But of, of course, it's like he had to fight every other kid there. Eleven only had to win once, but she's the winner. Yuri shows Murray and Joyce a small town, like over you know this hill. He says that the old church is his place, and that's the same place where Hopper was hiding. So he sees, um, when they go in there, he sees right away someone's been eating his peanut butter. He's like, see, I told you it's good. He shows them the weapons. There's like rifles and pistols. And he says he has, he mentions flamethrowers too. He shows them on a map where the prison is. It's like a two-hour drive between these two mountains. It's it's not marked on the map because it's supposed to be a secret prison. So they're going to go and pretend that Yuri is turning them over to prison to, so they can get inside. But in order, because they don't trust Murray, or they don't trust Yuri, Murray is going to pretend to be Yuri. Hopper, um, he's egging on Antonov, and then he punches Hopper. They get in this fight. Hopper also hits his other guard, knocks him down, and then he gets hit, gets ends up getting hit in the face by like a rifle. In his cell, he tells Antonov that he meant what he says, or what he said before. The thing is called a Demogorgon. They have a weakness, fire. They they hate fire. So if they want a shot at killing it, they're gonna need some fuel. And he so he pulls out, he has this little bottle of booze and something to light it with, and he has a guard zippo. And they both laugh. So he fake the fight so he can pickpocket the guard at the utah house um they tricked the the father dude into leaving his office 
Um, they sneak in. Susie goes on a computer. She looks at the files and she talks about tracking the IP, the internet protocol address. And they're like, what's the internet? And she's like, oh, don't worry about it. It's going to change the world. So the, the kids started a grease fire in the kitchen to further distract father. She gets the coordinates. It's in Nevada. They find Argyle and Eden in the van with this big cloud of smoke coming out. So they need to go to Nevada now. A cop found a station wagon by the Skull Rock, of course. He calls the chief. Dustin's compass is going nuts, and it leads them to Lover's Lake. Robin, Eddie, Nancy, and Steve go in a boat, and they tell Dustin to stay with Max and Lucas. Eleven is in the rainbow room with her extra hours, and she hears screaming outside. One kid's like getting electro-zapped. Brenner is there, and um, it's actually the orderly that's getting zapped. Eleven avoids being seen. And then she goes back to the rainbow room. Two and, um, was it two or is it six? Uh, whoever won and then two other kids are angry at her. She shamed him. She's weak. And so he uses his power to knock her back. They mentioned that the camera's off. And they all use their powers on her. They start shoving her like back and forth or whatever. Then she's against the wall. Two says that if she tells Papa they did this, that he will kill her. I can't remember if it was two or not. So then she looks in the mirror and she sees her younger self like covered in blood. And she starts thinking back to the massacre and Brenner saying, what have you done? So did she kill them because they were bullying her? That seems a little extreme. Brenner and Sam pull her out of the pod. She says that she knows what happens now. She's like, I killed them, Papa. I killed them all. So they on, on the, the lake, they stop the boat. The compass is spinning around. Steve decides he's going to dive in because he was on a swim team, I guess. Um, Robin smiles because she she notices Nancy checking him out as he takes off his sweatshirt. Eddie um, wraps the flashlight in a plastic bag. Steve see he goes down there, hits goes at the bottom, sees like dead fish at the bottom, but then there's like this red light kind of off in the distance. So they're timing him. He's been down for a minute so far, so I don't know how long he can hold his breath. But then lights are coming close. Cops are there. Steve, it turns out, found a gate. He's like right on top of it. He like reaches in and then kind of gets startled. A tentacle comes through through the, the portal, reaches, um, or he reaches the surface. He says he found it. Max, meanwhile, in short, she decides to distract the cop. Steve gets pulled down, and then he like flips over into the underground. So now that he's he's gone, Nancy decides to jump in after, like without even thinking. She just goes in there. Dustin gets caught. Uh, on the shore robin decides to go too eddie's like uh, he's like reluctant everything he finally he decides to jump into water also so steve is like there's this like landscape and he sees like this house off in the distance there's some like these weird birds or something flying towards him he grabs an oar from an, an old boat and these they're like these bat creature like minoc creatures like that so one like wraps its tail around him and it's like like choking him and then like two of them are on his sides like on his ribs they start like biting into him all right uh episode 407 chapter 7 the massacre at hawkins labs the others arrive nancy um hits so uh, by steve nancy hits one with an oar and then she's like hey there to to steve which is a little cheesy and apparently they've all managed to find oars so there must be like tons of boats for some reason there because i guess it's i don't know robin's like you think these bats have rabies it's like that's my biggest fear more start coming it's like not that many but then there's a lot more coming so nancy's decides that they should uh, run into the woods if that'll somehow stop them maybe they just won't be able to see them i don't know so um the shot agent 
the, whatever that's in the box, he's finally let out. The colonel guy asks if he's reconsidered. Like, where's the girl? He doesn't say anything. So they, he's like, put him back in. He starts begging. He's like, just don't kill her. Promise me you won't kill her. Eleven has this wire thing on her head. She's trying to move this can of Coke, uh, Coke Classic. She's distracted by the massacre vision. Sam tells Brenner that they're running out of time. He just sees a traumatized little girl. Later, Brenner tells her that she's regressing, that she's going backwards. She cries. She's like, I saw what I did. I'm a monster. He tells her to trust him, journey into the past with him one more time. So she's back in the tank. Brenner gets another tape. It's memory. Sam asks, how much time did he skip? And Brenner says, he's like, well, you want progress. So, you know, here we go. Dustin, Lucas, Max are questioned by parents about what were they doing at the lake. Max says they were just going out for a walk. And the cops like at 9 p.m. And Erica's like, they're all lying. And then there's like all this arguing and stuff like that. And then the police chief wants to talk to them individually. In the upside down wood, Steve sides like his wound is like nasty. Nasty or Nancy rips off like a piece of her dress or something like that. And she like wraps it around his midsection. And it's just like, it's just an excuse for them to get close or whatever. And Robin suggests that since it's like Hawkins, but with monsters, why don't they go to the police station and get like guns and grenades? And Steve's like, well, I don't think they have grenades, but they probably have guns. And Nancy's like, well, we don't have to go that far. She's like, I have guns in my, my bedroom. So plural. So she has two guns. But then there's this big rumble. Outside the Russian prison, Murray speaks to, uh, they, they pull up. He speaks to a guard in Russian about having an American, and then the guards see them in the back. Uh, they look at his, his 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 passport, his ID, and it, he kind of resembles them, you know, whatever. So he, they open the gate. Eleven is back in the Nina tank. Brenner is examining Eleven in the memory. Her headaches are gone. Her memories are gone. They're all in the test room. Brenner mentions Eleven woke up with a concussion. So someone in the room someone did this to her so you know they're all in this room she's like who's going to tell me what happened two's like oh she must have fallen and he's like you know she is clumsy then he tells two to step forward they're going to put this collar on him brenner takes off his coat he's like you think because you demonstrate some talent that you're somehow immune to the rules is that it that they don't apply to you like your brothers and sisters is that why you attacked 11 he's like if she told you that she's lying and he like zaps him with the collar and then he, he like he there's like a dial in there, so he like turns it up. He's like, "What happened?" He's like, "It was an accident." He like zaps her some more and like cranks it up, and everyone's like scared, like freaking out. And upside down, Steve and Eddie talk a bit. Steve says he's like, "Thanks for saving him." Eddie's like, "Oh, you saved yourself. You're like Ozzy." And he's like, "Ozzy," you know, he doesn't know. And they're talking about, it and he's like, "Oh, and Dustin totally worships you." He's like, "I have to admit, I was kind of jealous." And then he says, you know, the only reason he's there is because the two girls jumped in. He didn't want to be left behind and shamed. Um, and he's like, Wheeler, Nancy, he's like, she didn't hesitate, not a second. So he's like, basically, he's like, dude, she likes you. And then there's more rumbling. Dustin tries calling the others on a walkie-talkie. Question is, who opened the water gate? Because that's what he's calling it. He's like, it's a gate in the water. She's like, water gate, it's funny. So one was opened by L, the other was opened by the commies. So it, they're wondering, is, is does each killing open another gate? The Demogorgon was a foot soldier, but Vecna is like the five-star general with the power to open gates or something like that. They reach uh, in the Upside Down, they reach Nancy's house. So she grabs, she, they go into her room, they, they grab the shoebox where the guns are supposed to be, but there's just shoes in there. She's like, I got rid of those. And 
there's stuff in there that's like two years old. She looks in her diary. The last uh, entry is November 1983. She's like, the guns aren't here because they don't exist yet. She's like, that date is a day that Will went missing and the gate opened. So they're in the past, in the upside down. The light move in a, in, a, in, a, the, in the dining room is like, it's like shimmering or whatever. They get brighter when they reach for them. So then they're like, does anyone know S- no Morse code? And he's like, well, does SOS count? So Erica notices the lights are flickering. She thinks Vecna's in there. Dustin says that he's like, SOS. So he figures out, he figures they must have been stupid enough to go through Watergate. He's like, that must have been where they went. At the prison, the warden comes in. He, he talks. He sees Hopper and the other prisoners being told the rules for something. So uh, Joyce and uh, Enzo, Antonov, or no, Murray and Yuri are, are there. Eleven is in the rainbow room. The other three kids glare at her. The orderly asks if she's looking for something more challenging, and then they play chess. So he tells her not to show and give away emotions. So two is still in an infirmary. He tell he says that when two comes out, he'll be allowed to go after her. Papa wants it to happen. He's like, there's a reason that they were able to get out of the rooms the other night. He says that she frightens him and that it's it's about control. So he like slippers slips her this like key card under the table. Dustin, Lucas, and Erica use a light bright from Nancy's sister, whatever. Nancy's able to they put like all these colors like all over it. Nancy's able to write hi, and then they can read it, uh, whatever, in, in the, the real world. So they're stuck there. They can't go through Watergate because it's guarded. Um, Dustin mentions his theory about the gates at the murder sites. Max is let out from talking to the chief, and the chief says that she stuck to her story. Dustin, like, he you know, goes downstairs. Like, he calls Max over. They go back up to the room. They actually sneak out the window, and they hop on their bikes. So then the, the parents see that they went out. They just go out of the house and they're like yelling at them. But no one's like, why don't we hop in a car and go after them? Because I, I, we see Eric, I think she slashed the tires of the, the police car. Maybe, I don't think she would slash all the, their car tires. That's, that's a bit extreme. I don't know. And the upside down, they're riding bikes also. So they're heading to the, to the next location. They're going to the, the, the trailer park. And uh, this bat thing sees them, and, and it must tell Vecna because he's he knows something's up. Back in the Rainbow Room, uh, Papa takes ten. Eleven tells the other orderly that she feels dizzy and that the lights hurt, so she's saying you know it must be from the concussion. So he takes her to nurse, but she sneaks off when he's like talking to nurse, whatever, because he's like, oh, I brought her here, or whatever, because and she's like, who? So she went down into the basement boiler room. The orderly is there. He shows her this pipe where she can crawl through that will lead her out. And she's like, me? What? I thought we were leaving. He's like, I can't go because he, he can't fit in her. At the prison, the alarm goes off. So it's gonna, they have to run to this thing. It's time you know, they have a key. Grab a key. Open this case. Grab some weapons. There's like spears and stuff in there. Hopper grabs a cloth. And, or he, puts a, he wraps a cloth around a spear. He pours some of the, the alcohol on it. The warden sees that the American is up to something. But then Murray pulls out a pistol because I guess they didn't search him or anything. He sticks it at the warden's side. And he's like, you're not doing anything. Hopper Zimo, Zippo, of course, won't light now. And I was thinking about that when he first took it out and he like lights it. I was like, dude, don't waste it. 
So well, he's like trying to trying to light it. The demo gorgon comes out, starts slaughtering the the, the prisoners. Hopper finally gets the the lighter lit. Murray and Joyce they went into a control room to uh, try to open the doors of the prison. The the guards didn't want to open the door because then a demo gorgon would be loose and the prison would be able to get out or something like that. They uh, Joyce starts hitting all these buttons, and she finally get figures out how to open the door. Um, then Murray tells, says to close it when, uh, they, they make it through the Demogorgon tries prying open the door, but then Hopper throws a spear into its open face. He's, he's out through the door. Hopper and Joyce are reunited. You know, she runs to him. It's almost like he's in shock or, or maybe it's like, you know, he doesn't want her there because he thinks he's cursed. I don't know. Or he's just, he's just happy to see her. I don't know. The bikes uh, in Upside Down, they reach the trailer park. Inside Eddie's trailer is a portal on the ceiling. Then it bursts. A uh, stick pokes, pokes through it. They look up. They see Max, Dustin, Lucas, and Erica standing in the Upside, they're upside Down, whatever. So it's kind of weird. Eleven uses her powers to yank out this tracker and orderly, orderly's neck. So that's another reason why he said he couldn't leave or something like that. So he's got this big thing. So he just like rips it out of his skin, which is like nasty. And you would think it would be like gushing out blood, but whatever. But then guards come after them. They have like big taser sticks. The orderly says that she doesn't have to be scared of, of them anymore. You know, and he has powers. He sends them flying and he snaps the last dude's neck. And she's like, how... And he's like, I told you that we were alike. And he shows her he has a 001 tattoo on the wrist. So he's the mythical one that they were told doesn't exist. They drag a, uh, in the, the, the trailer, they drag a mattress to a, the hole. And they tie like a bed sheets together. They, when they throw the sheet up, it's just kind of floating there between the two worlds because it's being pulled down by gravity in both worlds, whatever. Robin climbs first. You know, she reaches the top and, she, you know, <laughs> falls. I keep, that's so loud when I do that. Just hit, slapping my hand or whatever. Um, so she falls on a mattress. Eddie goes next because, you know, just kind of sander. Then Nancy. But Nancy doesn't land on the mattress. When she goes through, she falls into nothingness and she lands in a pool in the upside down. So it turns out she's actually in a trance with Steve. So she didn't climb. And Max is like, Fechna. And then Nancy sees someone else. So it's Barb's there from season one. And Vecna asks her if she remembers what she did or has she already forgotten. Vecna says that when he kills someone, he never forgets. And then the pool starts filling with water. Eleven's been waiting in a closet because uh, one told her to wait there. She hears a bunch of screams on a walkie-talkies. And she walks out. She sees Brenner lying on the floor. The other orderlies and the kids are dead. She runs to the rainbow room. And she sees one tormenting two. And then he notices she's there and she tries leaving, but he like slams the door. And he's like, why are you crying for them? He's like, or maybe you're just scared. Nancy climbs out of the pool, but then she's on top of like these busted stairs. It's all like red. And then there's, you know, there's a, the floating grandfather clock. Vecna says that she's been close to finding the truth. Mentions Victor Creel. She's somehow at Creel's house and she sees like when they first arrived there so it turns out one the orderly was actually creel's son so it all comes together now so he's saying how 
he didn't fit in with the other kids. So his parents thought he's um, the orderly's telling this story to Eleven, and Nancy is also seeing this. I don't know if she's hearing it or she's just seeing it all play out. So his parents thought a fresh change of scenery would help. Then in her new home, um, he found a nest of like black widows in his vent. He found kinship and comfort in them. He started collecting them in jars and drying them. He talks about the mundane, repetitive nature of the world. Everyone's just waiting for it all to be over day after day. He couldn't close off his mind and like join the madness. So he realized he didn't have to. He realized that he could make his own rules. So uh, Nancy says he caught a rabbit outside and he realized that he could reach into others, into their minds. He became an explorer. Then he saw his parents as they really were. They presented themselves as good, normal people, but they had done things, awful things. He showed them who they really were. And he like he basically held up a mirror. So his, his father soon thought it was a demon was cursing them. His mother knew that it was him and she despised him. So she called a doctor to try to fix him. And then he had no choice but to, to act, to break free. So that's when the mom gets off. So he says, which each life he took, he grew stronger. So they became part of him. Uh, but he was still a child and didn't know his limits. So it nearly killed him. He passes out and then uh, Victor picks him up and his dad gets arrested. He's arrested. He woke up from his coma. He was placed in the care of Dr. Martin Brenner. But the truth is he didn't just want to study him. He wanted more. He wanted to control. So Papa finally realized that he couldn't control him. So he tried to recreate him. He started to program and soon others were born. Eleven was born. He's very glad that she was, says that the others are not gone, that they're still with him in his head. Eleven says that he tricked her, and he's like, no. He's like, I saved you. You're a prisoner here just like me. To Papa, you're nothing more than a monster, a lab rat. The truth is just the opposite. And he's like, you know, you're you're better than they are. You're superior. That's why she frightens them. If she comes with him, imagine all that they can do together. They could reshape the world. And she's like, no. And she slams him across the room he gets up and he's like glares at her so it's like standoff they both have their hands raised and she recalls him saying using the you know anger from a memory and she slams or he slams her back and then drags her across the floor levitates her he says it wasn't supposed to end like this he's starting to he's gonna snap her bones with her she screams and then like blood like coming out of her eyes medical monitor beeps there's a baby crying and mom's like jane i love you then back to 11 she looks down at him he's confused and then she moves her arms and sends him through to back through like the one-way mirror there's blood on her nose and in the pod brenner says it's happening so she did a superhero landing one is pinned against the wall in the other room little 11 walks up to the window reaches out his flesh starts getting pulled inside out like he's burned or something like that it turns to ash and then she made a portal to the upside down one goes flying back and the lightning zaps him as he falls his body starts burning he turns into vecna and we see the tattoo on vecna's wrist he still has a zero zero one fade to black volume two coming july 1st july 1st that could be the feature. <laughs> I realized that what am I going to do July 1st? I can do Stranger Things again. Ah, problem solved. That's the end of Stranger Things. So an hour and 15 minutes talk. This is going to be a super long episode. Now, commenting about this, I know I've, I've talked on and on about this. I feel like 
some of the episodes were a little too long. It's good, you know, if this is the final season, you know, I, I don't want it to be over right away. So, you know, we get as much as possible. The problem for me personally is I feel compelled, like I have to watch all these episodes so I can talk about it on the podcast versus I wasn't able, I'm not able to just sit back, relax and enjoy it as, as hopefully you are if you watched it. That's just my, my big complaint, which I, I know it's kind of silly or whatever, but that's just how it is. I feel like some of these episodes, because they're so long, they could have been trimmed a little bit. For a while, it's like, why are we seeing all this stuff at the, you know, in the Eleven's memories and then all this Victor? It, obviously, it's all connected. It just feels like it took a long time to get there. So there's a lot of cool things that happened, but uh, it just took so long. And it's like Jonathan and it's like, I, I guess they're going to show up in Nevada maybe to get Eleven, but it's almost like they're, they haven't really done very, I don't know. So I enjoyed it. Um, it's but it just takes a long time. And like the stuff with Hopper and all that, it's like yeah, we need Hopper to come back to Hawkins and stuff. But the Hawkins or Hopper Joyce, that just feels like it took so long too. Kind of like this discussion part and this podcast is taking a long time. So with that, let's draw. This is too long. Is there a limit on these podcasts? Thank you for listening. Thank you to. Um, Andrew Loken and Dave McPhail. They have been big supporters for a long time. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanformheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to that secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Currently discussing 1980s New Teen Titans by Marv Wolfman and George Perez. So I'm going to do this for maybe a little bit longer, a couple more weeks, and then um, I might mix things up. I'm thinking of of doing some random topic discussion, which if there's something you want me to discuss, please let me know. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. If, we'll, we'll see if, if I do this or not. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash man from heck. You can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. That is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. Next week is actually the 250th episode of this show. I don't have anything special planned. I, I feel like I should do it, but just the logistics and everything, I don't know. Um, the movie feature will be Jurassic whatever, world, Jurassic universe. And uh, there's going to be plenty to talk about. But, oh, because of the boys... Amazon dropped three episodes. I think I'm going to have to be a week behind because episodes are dropping on Friday. So the yeah, last Friday, three episodes dropped. So it, technically, by the time you listen to this, four episodes are out, right? Or three episodes are out. I'm conf- I can't even think, I'm, think straight because this has been such a long podcast. No, so wait, the fourth episode is coming out this week. And I, I gotta, I'm going to have to try to watch it. Oh, maybe I'll be able to do it. Yeah, we have all that. And then Superman Lois, Time Travel's Wife, Man Who Fell to Earth, Obi-Wan. I feel like there was something else besides the boys. Oh, is Ms. Marvel this week, maybe? Or is that the next week? I, 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 I don't know. Don't ask me now because I'm, I'm fried from this long podcast. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. I hope you are doing well. If you are attending school in any capacity, I hope you are off. This is my final week for summer. 
I just bought my plane ticket to San Diego, which is cheaper than I thought. I thought it was going to be crazy expensive because of fuel. Still a lot of money, but not as much as I, I feared. So that's kind of good. I haven't even thought, I don't even know how San Diego is going to go. I, we'll, we'll see. But I hope you're doing well. I hope you take time to enjoy life, to do something fun for yourself or others. But I really hope you remember to be good to each other. Yeah.